He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, May 6, 2023. So much news. What a great discussion I have with Mario Nicholas, who is my colleague at the Colorado Sun. We talk a lot about Trump. We talk about the Denver mayor's race. Spoiler alert, now he likes Mike Johnston. Kelly Bruff going to be my guest next week. But Mario, terrific guest. And the main thing we talk about is the tragic murder of Alexa Bartel. It happened April 19th. Our community got shocked. Somebody throwing big boulders at passing vehicles. One went right through her windshield and killed her. Three 18-year-olds arrested. I went to the arraignment, and right after I get done with this intro, you get to hear me read the probable cause affidavit. I read almost all of it to you. You will get the gist of it and understand what happened, and a little bit about how it happened, a lot more to learn, but three 18-year-olds killing a 20-year-old. We talk about that with Mario Nicholas and Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Our troubadour, Dave Gunders, has the perfect song. Too Many Drivers is a sad lament. It's a blues song, and we're singing the blues about the death of Alexa Bartel. Clarence Thomas brings out the blues, too. He's a disgrace. Donald Trump, the worst. We've got problems, America, but let's stay close to home. You will learn more and think more about this horrible murder in our Colorado community. What are we going to do about it? This episode is special, starting with my reading of the arrest warrant affidavit for three boys named Mitch, Joe, and Zach. You'll hear about heroes named Joe Bob and Warren Weed, or Wes Weed. They came forward with information. Also, technologies involved. This is quite an episode. Mario Nicholas, great lawyer, columnist, he weighed in last week with a powerful call for these boys to be locked up for the rest of their lives, given the atrocity of what they did. Has he calmed down? You will find out. But first, the affidavit, a word or two from Michael Bailey and me. Beautiful, long interview with Mario Nicholas. Dave Gunders, our troubadour. Oh, yeah, he brings along his beautiful sister, Joan Gunders. What an episode. Enjoy. So... It is Friday afternoon, and I just got the arrest warrant affidavit for the three 18-year-olds charged with the murder of Alexa Bartel. I am a big believer that we need to follow these things, not let them be forgotten, swept under the rug as it were. Alexa Bartel was born November 23, 2002. This case was investigated by... Daniel Menka, an investigator who 
deals with big cases for the Jepco Sheriff's Office Major Crimes Unit. He prepared the affidavit that I am going to read to you. Alexa was on the phone with her friend Jenna on April 19 at about 10.45. Jenna reported that Alexa abruptly stopped talking when Jenna got off of work at approximately 11.05. She used Find My iPhone app and discovered her friend's phone stationary on Indiana Street south of State Highway 128 in a field on the east side of the roadway. Alexa was in the driver's seat of the Chevy Spark, and there she was, a significant injury to her head, and she was not moving. Jenna called Alexa's mom. 911 was called. Broomfield police initially responded, and Officer Timmerman had the horror of opening the door, observing all the blood. Alexa pulled up blood in her lap, her hair covering her face. Officer Timmerman observed no movement, called out Alexa, but got no response. He checked Alexa for a pulse, but found none. She was dead at this scene. North Metro Fire responded. They couldn't do anything, declared her deceased. They saw the damage to the vehicle was not consistent with the motor vehicle accident. It appeared to be the result of an object penetrating the windshield and striking Alexa in the head. Your affiant, that's uh, Investigator Marta, viewed the vehicle and noted there was a hole in the front windshield approximately one-third of the way down from the top in front of the driver's seat. Alexa was the sole occupant of the vehicle, sitting in the driver's seat, had visible defect to the right side of her head. Oh, my God. The investigator observed what appeared to be biological matter throughout the passenger compartment of the vehicle. The rear window was completely broken out. Crime scene people came, documented the location. There appeared to be tire tracks in the grass leading southwest through a fence line to what looked like where the vehicle had left the roadway. South of that point was what resembled biological matter in the roadway, and further south from there was what appeared to be a river rock-style landscaping rock on the side of the roadway that had red and color staining, which tested presumptive positive for blood, pictured below. And there's a picture of a huge boulder with blood on it. Oh, my God. And they went back and found it. The affiant, uh, our investigator from Jeffco, was advised the Boulder County Sheriff's Office responded to an incident approximately 10.40 p.m., at McCathlin, north of State Highway 128, in which two vehicles were struck by rocks being thrown from an oncoming vehicle. Other investigators got involved, started interviewing the drivers of those vehicles, and they started getting locations all over North Metro. And then what did they do? They had a plan. How about getting together the locations and see if there was a vehicle or more precisely a vehicle with a phone inside, somebody with a phone inside the vehicle who was at all those locations at the right times. They did that and they got some good leads, but the best lead came this way, the old, and that's called the tower dump. You'll hear Mario and I talking about that. 
and it gets long and detailed and led great leads that corroborates what's coming up. And here's what's coming up. This thing was all over the news. People were talking about it. Yeah, it was April 25, 2023 that Investigator Mank and the investigative team got their big break. It came the old-fashioned way because the news was out there and a guy named uh, Wyatt Weed, who was born in 2005, said he knew something about the incident. And it turned out Wyatt knew a person named Joseph Bopp. That's right. Wyatt Weed and Joseph Bopp worked together for about five months at the Les Schwab out in Arvada. And Wyatt came into work on April 25 talking with Joseph and somehow the incident got brought up. Joseph told Wyatt on Wednesday, April 19th, he was standing around while another person named Joe, someone named Mitch, and someone else were loading rocks into their vehicle. They were loading rocks from the Walmart parking lot located near 72nd and Sheridan Boulevard. Joseph told them to take him home because he did not want anything to do with what they were up to. So, wow, what a great lead. On April 25, 2023, Back to the affidavit at about 6.15 p.m., uh, Europian investigator Manka met with and interviewed Joseph Bob, born in 2002. That would make him, one a little older, 20 instead of 18 like those other guys. Joseph stayed in. He had known the other Joe for approximately a year. They worked together at the Les Schwab Tires until Joe quit approximately four months ago. Urafian showed Joseph a crop version of the image of the Colorado DMV had on file for Joseph Koenig, uh, 9-11-2004, and he positively identified the person in the picture as the subject he knows as Joe Koenig. Get that, he was born on 9-11. Joe Koenig, born 9-11-2004. He's one of the defendants. Joseph, this be Joe Bob, stated that Koenig, Joe Koenig, frequently participates in destructive behavior. When asked why he does it, Koenig replies that he likes causing chaos. So I guess that's the report of uh, Joe Bob saying Koenig responded to him, he likes causing chaos. Who? that's Joe Koenig, according to Joe Bob. Joseph stated that on April 19, 2023, around 6.30 p.m., Conan called Joseph using the Snapchat voice function, asking if he wanted to hang out, and Joseph agreed. Conan arrived at Joseph's house with another friend, Mitch, and a person he did not know very well, who he knew as Zach. Got it now? We've got Joe Koenig. We've got Joe Bob, the guy who's telling us all about this, Another guy named Mitch and a new guy named Zach. They arrived in Mitch's black Chevrolet Silverado 1500 pickup truck. Joseph estimated it'd be around a 2019 to 20 model year, but he was not certain. Joseph said they drove around for a couple hours until they ended up in the parking lot of the Walmart near West 72nd Avenue and Sheridan Boulevard. They were all inside walking around the store when Joseph decided to go to the restroom. Joseph then walked out of the store where Koenig, Mitch, and Zach were picking up landscaping rocks 
from the edge of the parking lot and putting them in the back seat of the truck's cab. When asked how many rocks, Joseph replied, quote, as much as they could carry, close quote. Joseph stated that he knew something bad was going to happen, so he insisted they take him home. That's Joe Bob telling the cops this. And they did. They did take him home. Back to the affidavit. When they departed, Koenig was driving the truck. Mitch was in the front passenger seat, and Zach was behind Mitch. Interesting, Joe Koenig behind the wheel, at least at that point. Joseph did not know Mitch's full name, but he knew approximately where he lived. Joseph showed Europeans on a map the area of his house, which was on Holman Circle in Arvada. They give a precise address. I'm doing some editing here. Joe asked, hey, did those guys have cell phones? Of course they did, which allowed him to do some search warrant and investigation. And it turns out that... uh, Koenig had a friend with the name Nicholas Carol Chick, who his username was Mitch. And then they found the Chevy Silverado was a 2016 black Chevy Silverado, which is registered to Christy Karolchik at the Holman Circle address. So the truck's associated with Mitch, but somehow this guy says Joe Koenig was driving it. Hmm. A previously reported phone number was located for Nicholas. They give that out. I won't give it out now. Which, when searched through the tower dump cell phone data, showed similar locations to Koenig's cell phone at the time the crimes were committed. So they did use that uh, search methodology to verify these guys were their suspects. They looked at their records. They observed the black truck at Holman Circle. They got a search warrant through judicial process, and the Chevy Silverado was seized. So it was the pickup truck. It was the Chevy Silverado. Back to the warrant. On April 25, 2023, at 11 p.m., Jeff Kupritz now took Mitch, that's Nicholas, Mitch, James Koralczyk, date of birth 10-17-2004, into custody. It's his vehicle, They took the vehicle, they took him. He will be referred to as Mitch because this is his preferred name and that is how he's commonly referred to. That's from the warrant. That's what uh, the investigator wrote. On April 26, 2023, at about 12.41 a.m., investigators Heather Kim and Cormac McHugh spoke to Mitch. Wow, that's quite a time, 12.41 to get your questions answered. Uh, Of course, he got arrested at 11 p.m. I guess he waived his rights. Yes, Investigator Kim reviewed the Miranda advisement waiver with Mitch. Mitch said he understood his rights and said he would speak to them. Mitch signed the advisement waiver. Mitch was aware of the incident and told investigators what happened last Wednesday. He told investigators that he and Joe Koenig bought a project car. Wednesday, around approximately 4 or 5 p.m., Joe sent Mitch a message via Snapchat, asked for help moving the project car. I don't know if that's a mini car. What the hell a project car is? From Mitch's friend's house, Diego Vasquez, unknown spelling, to a storage area. After moving the car, Joe left his car near Diego's house, and Mitch drove his truck to pick up Zach, later identified as Zachary Quack K.W. AK, I kid you not, 
one of the defendants' name is Zach Quack, and then drove to Joseph, who lives further east. Mitch described the route they took, which is consistent with the timeline and the cell phone tower data. Mitch originally stated that only Zach collected and threw the rocks at the vehicle. She also said that after Zach hit the vehicle on Indiana Street, Alexis Bartel's vehicle, he put Alexis Bartel instead of Alexa, Alexa Bartel's vehicle, Zach said, we have to go back and see that, with emphasis on the word have. We have to go back to see that. This is the report of Mitch saying what Zach said. They went back on Indiana Street, then turned around again southbound. After this, they returned home. Mitch originally stated that only Zach was reacting to hitting cars and that he was, quote, excited, close quote, when he hit one. Mitch ultimately told investigators that he and Zach both collected the rocks and that all three of them threw rocks at moving cars Mitch admitted that he and Joe have been involved in throwing objects, including a statue and other rocks at vehicles, since at least February and at least on 10 separate days. Mitch stated that he and Joe mentioned that they do this and that Zach was interested in partaking on Wednesday. Mitch clarified that they were all excited when they hit cars. Mitch again stated that it was Zach who threw the fatal rock as at Alexis' vehicle. When they turned around to see Alexis' vehicle, they drove past it northbound and turned around southbound. Joe slowed the vehicle so that Zach could take a photo of it. Mitch noted that he felt, quote, a hint of guilt, period, close quote. Back to the affidavit. On April 25, 2023, at approximately 11 p.m., Jeff Co. personnel took Joe Koenig, DOB 9-11-2004, who resides at, I won't give his address, in Arvada, into custody, transported him to Jefferson County headquarters, where the investigator attempted to interview him. Joseph declined to be interviewed. Joe Koenig, no interview. On April 26, 2023, at approximately 2 a.m., Zachary Quack, DOB 318-2005, He's the youngest, 2005. He just turned 18. Was taken into custody at his residence in Arvada. I won't give that address either. Your affiant reviewed the Miranda advisement waiver with Zachary. Zachary said he understood his rights and said he would answer questions. Zachary signed the advisement waiver. Zachary initially stated that he could not remember the incident. But when he was confronted with the information that Mitch had identified him in the car, he revised his statement. Zachary said he was picked up from his house by Mitch in Mitch's truck, and Joe Koenig was with him. Zach provided little specific information about where they went or what they did. However, he stated that they had gone to a Walmart near Denver and then went driving around. Zach did not know precisely where. Zach continued by stating at one point he remembers them stopping and collecting rocks and they began throwing them at passing cars. Zach believes that Joe was driving during that time. Mitch was in the front passenger seat and was using marine terms before a rock was thrown. Zachary explained that to mean Mitch would say things like, quote, contact left, close quote, before Joseph would throw the rock at a car on the left side of there. 
Zachary was asked to describe the first rock that was thrown, and he could not. When he was asked to discuss the last rock that was thrown, he said they were driving south on Indiana Street when Joseph decided to speed up and then throw the rock out of his window. Zachary explained the impact made a very loud noise that he said was like, quote, a railgun, close quote, shooting a block of concrete. Zachary looked behind him and said that the vehicle had left the roadway. Zachary said that Joseph went to the next intersection, turned around, and went back northbound. As they passed where the vehicle had stopped, Zach used his cell phone to take a picture of the vehicle. When asked why, he replied that he thought Joe or Mitch would want it as a memento. There you have Zach Quack confessing to taking the picture. I imagine they have it on his phone now. Back to the affidavit. Zach stated that Joe turned around again, went southbound on Indiana Street, and Joe took him home. Zach said during the drive back to his house, Joe and Mitch were talking about them now being, quote, blood brothers, close quote, and they could never speak of this incident. In addition, Zach said that Joe met him the next day and tried to get their stories straight about what happened. There's a typo there. Tried to get their stories straight about what happened, specifically denying involvement. Based upon the foregoing facts, Giraffian Smith said there's probable cause to believe that probable cause exists to believe criminal offenses have been committed. And... Uh, that offense, first-degree murder, extreme indifference. We talk about that with Mario Nicholas. Thank you for listening to me reading almost all of the warrant to you. First-degree murder, extreme indifference, eighteen three one zero two. Did these boys have universal malice? Who do you think actually threw the rock? I still don't have a good picture of what happened. The thing about Affidavits, you can say as much or as little as you want. I've prepared these. And here they said enough to show probable cause, make it clear these boys were involved. Mitch and Zach talked. Joe Koenig did not. Joe Bob says Joe Koenig was a wild man. Who was the leader? Who was the follower? Who did what and when? Were they standing in the bed of the truck? Were two of them throwing it out at the time? I don't know. Those were heavy rocks. It would be hard to throw it overhand. I think you'd have to throw it underhand. I don't think you'd throw it out the side window. I think it's easier if you're standing in the bed of a passing pickup truck, Silverado. Oh, my God, how scary is that every time we drive down the road? This world failed, Alexa Bartel. Let's keep her story alive. Let's get to justice. There won't be justice. Alexa won't come back to life, but let's figure out what a civilized society does to react to something like this. Thanks for listening to my reading of this probable cause warrant. i
It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblawllc.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead, who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. And I say welcome back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Mario Nicholas, my colleague at the Colorado Sun. We have so much to talk about. Are you ready? Absolutely. Always uh, glad to be back in the super top secret location of uh, Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. And uh, thank you for having me, Craig. Well, you are the thrust of my podcast and my column this week is the sad death of Alexa Bartel. Killed on April 19, 2023, driving a road that you traverse a lot. I'm here, Southeast Denver kind of guy, but I've been there. I know that area. It's horrific. She's driving, talking to her girlfriend when a huge landscaping rock gets through her windshield, hits her in the head. She swerves off the road. Let's hope she died right away. But she died. And it turns out, through amazing detective work and some good citizens with amazing names, they got caught. And now there are three 18-year-olds who have been arrested. I went to the arraignment on Wednesday. I've spoken with you, Mario, because you emoted on behalf of the community, which is one of the luxuries of being a weekly columnist, right? Tell us how you felt when you heard about what happened to Alexa Bartel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it, interestingly enough, I I really started watching and following this um, right away before they ever caught anyone, and just and and just the idea that these kids were throw well, they didn't even know they were kids at the time. I mean, in my mind, I guess I always knew it was going to be someone who was young. Um, I almost had thought that it was going to be someone still in you know in the fifteen, sixteen year old range. 
just doing something dumb and not realizing, you know, how dumb they were doing, what kind of a threat it was to people. Um, and I guess I just, as more and more came out, it got worse and worse for me. And I just, it was, it's just a, such a disdain for life. And I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it the more I What saw was it. the fact to put it over the top? I imagine, because we all have column writing deadlines, it came out, not only were these three arrested, but they turned around, they took a photo of their kill. Yeah, it was it, that. That was what really did it for me. Was when they talked about wanting a memento for the kill, um, or, or memento. And I, you know, I mean, let, let, let's be clear. I don't know that they knew that they had killed the driver at that point in time. They knew that they had caused a horrific wreck. They knew that the car was off in the field. Um, and they wanted to get a picture of the damage they had done by causing this person to go off the field. I don't know if they knew that they had killed them, but you're throwing. And we're not. We're not talking about. We're not talking about like a little rock that you put in your hand and throw right. through there. They had stolen big, you know, can barely half them river, landscape rocks. River rocks. That They're from, river rocks. Yeah, from, right. from Walmart. They were going driving. And so, so everyone knows who's listening here that Indiana is a two-way street. Um, but it's kind of a highway. There's not, there's not, you know, it's not though. There's a lot around it. Um, you know, it's it's a little it's bit. It way it was like rural, it's rural. about what two miles east of the foothills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, it's gotten more developed over time. So it's right near Stanley Lake. Um, and there's some more developments kind of up near um, where Rocky Flats had been. A lot, so a lot more people there. But that area has always, you know, remained pretty rural. So you've got some horse, you know, some horse pastures along there, and you've got bigger, you know, estates that have been there for a long time that have, you know, some some grazing rights and things like that. So it's just a little bit barren. So, but the speed limit's pretty fast. So they're flying down one way, people are flying down the other way, and I guess what they were doing is from the back of a pickup truck, they were throwing the rocks at oncoming traffic. So it's not just the speed at which they were going, but it's also the combined speed of the cars coming together, and they're throwing these huge rocks that are obviously going to go easily go through a windshield. And this one did, and it might, you know, it hit Bartel in the head. And I, I agree with you. I, I, I have to be certain she she must have died instantly. Um, and you know, I hope so because what a horrific way to go, particularly when you're talking about a 20 year old woman who had her whole life ahead of her. Um, and I can't, for me, it's just the more information that came out, the more detail that came out, the worse and worse and worse. This How got. are you picturing the throwing of the rock? I'm picturing, uh, and, and maybe you heard differently of the Raymond. I, I was picturing, um, someone, the, someone driving, driving the truck, uh, somebody has the rock, the right. rocks are in the, the rocks are in the back of the truck. Maybe two of them are in the back of the truck taking turns and as they're going the down when you say the back the bed, you mean in the, the bed. bed in the bed and as they're going down through the bed they're kind of almost standing half crouching whatever but they, they see a car so, so are you saying two two 18 year olds in the bed oh yeah one I, driving i would i would assume so I, I would assume that they traded they traded off on this because let's remember it was a series that went on yes it was a series that went on that night for about 45 minutes before they killed bartell right but also they had been doing it since February. Yes. So it would it had been escalating, and it's it was it was almost as if they wanted to escalate the amount of damage they could get. 
Um, I just found out how they got caught. I got the arrest affidavit minutes before you got here. Oh, okay. So, tell me, tell me what happened. Les Schwab, two workers there, oh. young guys. One of them started talking about the tragedy. The other said, "Hey, I know some guys who loaded up some rocks. They were mm. going to do some funky things." The friends called the police. They contacted the other guy, and he continued with the story. They stole the rocks at Walmart at 76th and Sheridan, put it in the back seat of the vehicle. They could have transferred it to the bed. This guy, who was a little older, I think about 22, he said, I don't want any part of what you guys are doing. Let me out. And they did. And that helped lead them. But it's also technology, because once they had all those assorted victims they used cell towers to try to get a grasp on what vehicle was in all those areas in that 45-minute span. Wow, and there's Colorado Supreme Court case just about to start on a similar issue. We are in the high-tech age, buddy. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll throw on to this. You know, another way they were trying to catch them, they asked people who were, um, who were driving Teslas yes. to submit the video because Teslas record as they drive all the time. And so they were they the police had actually gone out there and asked for any Tesla drivers who'd been in the area at the time, please let us know. Please send in your video. Please check your video. Did you know, did your video camera maybe pick this information up there? So yeah, I, I mean I you know, it's one of those things where um, you know, you talk about dumb criminals, but it's not just dumb criminals, but at this point too, it's just there's so much technology that it'd be hard to get away with anything like that and think you're going to get away with it. And the only reason they possibly could have is maybe, you know, they're young, think they're invincible. Maybe they're a little bit, you know, they, they don't connect a lot of this together because they watch too much TV or too many movies, play too many video games, whatever. So, and I'm not saying that these things lead to violence. What I am saying is I think that they lead sometimes to some people um, who think they can get away with things that you can't. All right, now... You know what the evidence in the affidavit says about drugs and alcohol? Uh, no, but I would I would guess. You know what? I don't know. That they had nothing. 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 And yeah. that's smart. I yeah. prepared some of these. You only have to say enough to establish probable cause, and they said plenty. But the reason you're here because we could go off on the yep. singularity and AI and. Uh, And we will go up on some things, but the reason you're here is because you got me thinking. When I heard about it, I couldn't even read the news articles. It was too sickening. I have a 20-year-old son. He goes to school at CU. I mean, holy cow. And then I guarded myself, and I said, well, I want to know. And where am I going to get this news from? Once the boys were arrested, I heard about that. And it's important because I don't want a box news spin on it. I wrote about that in my last column. I don't want any weepy liberal. I went to the Colorado Sun, and that's the way I started my adventure. And then I read other articles. Then the Daily Mail happened to write an article where they quoted me because I went to the arraignment. And then the arrest warrant affidavit told me so much more. But I have to gird myself. I did this for a long time. It's just too sad. And at that arraignment, I see both sides, but I understand the power of your last column. Because in the first paragraph, tell me if I'm wrong, you said, words the effect of lock them up for the rest of their life. Yeah, I mean, I think I did. And I think the reason I got, because, because I took, 
sort of a different journey than you did originally. Because like I said, my original, you know, my original thought and the re- the thing that I was kind of originally, when the reporting came out about this was, wow, these are probably a couple of dumb kids just doing a dumb thing and probably did something. And when they caused the damage, just freaked out and were trying to just, you know, imagine it didn't happen, et cetera. Um, and they weren't, you know, they were, they were just, they were just acting out. Um, but the more that came out, especially when, when these defendants started talking, it was almost like they just didn't care. Um, and, and in fact, they were trying to cause damage and, and, you know, you, you were right. Turning around to take a picture as a memento of, Hey, look at all the damage. You know, that, that was def that was definitely a flip, uh, switch that went off for me. I was like, okay, we have crossed the line and, and yeah, these are not, they're only 18. So it's, you know, not far off from 15 or 16. Um, but I mean, I think the flip side is you wouldn't expect three 40 year old guys to be driving around throwing rocks because they wouldn't, you know, the, your life experience would be 18 like, I'm not going to do this. Does 18 seem old or young or what? I think it seems pretty young still. I think it does still seem pretty young. I mean, I don't know whether they're actually still in high school or not, but they very well might be. Uh, I would assume they would. My my assumption is they are because they were um, they're eighteen, but they're also all eighteen in the same area. Um, So they would have had to graduate at seventeen if they hadn't been. So since it's spring, my guess is they're all probably seniors in high school if they were still in school. But I mean, it's still it's still that age. It's roughly that age. You're a senior in high school, you're a freshman in college, or, you know, if you're not in college, you're just starting your life at some career somewhere. So, yeah, it is exceedingly young. Um, so do me, you stand by it? I do. Lock them up and throw away the key. I don't know about throw away the key. I mean, I think, but, but I mean, I think they need to have an extended uh, sentence. I, I really do. And it's. See, it's not, I am a criminal defense attorney. I rarely I'm get not. involved in anything like that. But, and I was a prosecutor, but you're a lawyer. You could be the prosecutor. And right now, if you were the DA, I'd be saying, I want to go satisfy Mario that his first impression, all the things he thought initially, and that the picture taking wasn't my guy's idea. It was the guy who threw the rock. My guy's a follower, not a leader. He's immature. He may be 18, but he's like a 12-year-old. He was dominated by these others. I mean... You need to find out who did what, right? We should differentiate among these three. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and I think that they do know who threw the rock. I don't think they do. They, they, if you read the affidavit, one okay. points the finger at one, and the other points the finger at another. And I have a vision. Here's okay. my vision, maybe because I'm old and I have some of these rocks around my yard. In fact, one needs to be moved, and I need your help. So if we were in the back of a pickup and I were to do it with a huge landscaping river rock, I can see two guys throwing it at a passing car. Boom. Yeah. Two guys doing it. One guy driving, and then maybe you're right. And I have to tell you, as a prosecutor, my first instinct is Mario is right. And the law says it's first-degree murder, and they charged extreme indifference. But you know what else you have to prove for first-degree murder like that in Colorado? They had universal malice. Do you have to though? I, I, yes. I read through the statute. And I did not. I don't know that. I, you, um, 
in the first degree murder, okay. extreme indifference, you have to show like an abandoned and malignant heart. Remember that sort of thing? Sure, sure. Well, but it's 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 that specific to the extreme indifference. Uh, yes. Well, and so that everyone, I mean, all of your audience understands there are multiple different ways you can get to first degree murder, and this is one of them. Yes. Um, but I mean, I think, I don't know. One, one is a, a deliberate murder. Say right. they hated Alex Bartel. They planned it. They Which deliberated Which is what most it. people think of when they're thinking of murder. Right. But I don't think you have to deliberate the murder of a specific person. The charging is interesting here. If you commit first degree assault, extreme indifference, it doesn't contain that universal malice caveat. First degree murder is a big deal. It's the guy who would go into a mall and just start spraying a machine gun or an AR-15, not intending to hit anybody in particular, just evincing a universal malice, extreme indifference to the value of human life. Yeah, but I, th- I think that's where we're at. And I mean, because because here, here, you know, if, if you had just thrown one rock at one car just to see what happened, maybe you don't get there. Right. But over 45 minutes, they did it seven or eight times to different cars. And they saw that it smashed windshields. And they saw... That, you know, it was harming people and it was causing cars to go off the road. They saw that and yet they continued and they continued until they killed um, Bartel. I hate to speculate. Yeah, that's the that's the you had to know what you were doing, you know, could cause death and you didn't care. And for me, I guess that's the piece that I look at who these men are and I, you know, look at them and I'm like, I don't know that they do care. I, I, I don't think they did. I, I think they absolutely wanted to cause destruction and damage and harm. Um, and if it killed someone, and, and let's be clear, anyone should know you throw a rock that size at a windshield. And again, remember, we're not just talking about the speed of the truck going one way. It's the combined speed. What if they were intoxicated? You know, I, I, again, I'm, I'm not a criminal lawyer. I don't know on the intoxicated part. I, I don't know that it would make that much I of know, a difference. Uh, here, here's the thing. I don't think they it really just would. assume as a prosecutor, which I was, that you can put them away for the rest of their life, throw away the key. Not only life sentence for their murder of Alexa Bartel, but there are six or seven other victims, bunch of felonies, stack them up, life plus 100 years. Then they really will spend the rest of their life in prison. You have the ability to maybe cut them a little bit of a break, and they say, "Hey, I was liquored up. I'm 18. I don't know how to handle liquor. Besides that, I'm depressed, like most of the kids out here. Give me a break, please, Mister Nicholas. I promise I'll be better." Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know, because I mean, I mean, again, I don't know that that changes because you still chose to drink. You still chose to grab the rocks you still chose to go through and not only did you do it once but you kept on doing it for your own entertainment mm-hmm. um and th- that to me i guess that's really what bothers me maybe is this was just a form of entertainment for these three and that's where the way it comes across to me is they were entertaining themselves by causing actual harm to be i i just i just can't get over the thought that they think that they were in a video game where you're trying to cause all this damage, whether you're talking on like Call of Duty, first-person shooter, or whatever game, they were almost like that in real life with their car and the rocks, and trying to see, hey, how much damage can we choose there? And I, you know, I, I, there's something pretty broken about them, but maybe it's also a cautionary tale for the people. 
Um, but I don't, you know, I, I, I do, I do th- think there will be a difference in, if they can figure out who actually threw the rock, although right. they might not be able to. Right. Um, I, I don't, I don't know enough about whether you can lift fingerprints off of that rock because they did find the rock um, and the rock that was thrown. I don't know whether there's any way for them to determine who threw it other than the testimony between the three of them, which <laughs> they were really fast to give each other up, especially after they had gone home and taken a pledge never to talk about it again right. and never to have anyone, you know. One, one guy did not talk. Two did. And right. they pointed the fingers at each other. Right. So, I mean, you know, I, I it'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. But I, I just, that they had been doing this for a period of months, and then they went on a spree on that particular night, they were clearly intent on doing this. And they were clearly intent on doing harm and didn't care whether it killed someone or not. Do I think that they intended to kill anyone? No, probably not. Um, but did they care if they killed anyone? I don't think they did. And I think that's... You know, that's the line that they have to... They don't have to actually right, but you, to right, but That's the thing. You think... It, to me, if I'm the prosecutor, I'm going to tell the defense attorney, give me all the information you have on your client. Uh, and I, I will absorb it and then determine things. But really, my job is to make the Bartell side of the equation happy. And I won't make a move without them approving it because... What a loss they've suffered. But at the same time, I looked at the families of those three boys, the other side of the courtroom. Sure. I've been in these scenes so many times. It's so friggin' heartbreaking. And as a parent, you could see yourself on either side, and your world is just destroyed. Alexa's gone forever. And I don't know, if your child threw the rock, would you visit them in jail? Would you? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I think they. I guess you have to assume on what's going on here. I mean, what what kind of relationship they had or not, right? You know, and that that could play a big role in it. Um, you know, I, I think that absolutely could. It, it's it's. It, I think it is a tough call on that. I just I don't know. The more I read, the more indifferent to human life the. They right. seem you to have, have to read everything. That was, and, that was the problem. Yes. Is that the more, the more, because like I said, originally I was hoping, hey, this was just dumb kids doing dumb things and didn't realize, you know, that right. they, they could do harm to people. But the more I read, I mean, they were actually trying. Try, when, when I originally heard about this, I actually, you know, and I, before I knew where the whole locations were, but there were people throwing rocks. I thought maybe it was kids like throwing rocks off of a, off a bridge or something as cars came by, you know, or something like that. Um, but this is different. They, they were they were taking the additional speed of oncoming traffic to do that. And, I know it's and, horrible. And they were t- they right. they were getting rocks that were big enough that it would go through a windshield. Yes. I mean, I mean they they sought out rocks that were big enough to do more damage. Um, you know, it's not like they were just pelting rocks that came by. You know, cars that came by with a fistful. But it's, it's, of it's, it's, it's terrible. It's awful. Is it worse than a home invasion, robbery, murder? Yeah, I mean, I think you know that's kind of that's kind of the, some of the questions you have. I mean, right. I think the the home invasion, robbery, murder. One of the differences you have is that make it uh, home you, you invasion, rape, robbery, murder. Right. Or or after or, or a, I think the better analogy is if you went to a whole pattern of them. Uh, in a row, yes. and a pattern of them. No, I, I you had know, those a spree, cases. A spree yes. of those. Going there on. are so, those people. Yeah, and, well, and, and, I mean, and then a lot of times they were really young. And gosh, it tore me up. Young victims, but sixteen-year-olds. I had a girl who got 
uh, dumped by a boyfriend. He had a new girlfriend, got her pregnant. They were living in Montbello. Ex-girlfriend recruits fellow 16-year-olds to go to the house, break in, shoot them both. Killed the two, the pregnant girl, Rochelle Peterson, Terrence Mayo. They were the victims. And I had to prosecute the 16-year-olds who were under the command of the 16-year-old girl. It was memorable. Bunch of first-degree murder trials, convictions. Down the road, they said the sentence was too long. And they cut some, them some break based Wait, on you the say Supreme they Court. Said. Supreme Court of the United States. You can't give a life sentence to somebody under 18. So I've been there. It's sad. It's horrible. But uh, that's how, why I guess I was attracted to go see it. And I saw uh, Alexis King, the new DA in Jeffco. Sure, sure. She's a former public defender. She's been on my show. And I just looked in her face and the different perspective you get is the DA and Alexa's dead and here's her family. They want justice from you. And that's what I like about practicing law. I yeah. always let it be known. I'm on this side, okay? I'm going to consider what's fair, but it's going to be on the prosecution side of what's fair. You have a lawyer. You do your best over there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there absolutely is that. I think that you know, I think that there is, you know, the the, the question here is, well, what does it look like? I mean, so recruiting a couple of sixteen-year-olds who go and do, you know, a couple of uh, murders, uh, you know, again, I, you know, it, one With of the differences guns, here that I have I shooting mean, people, pulling it is the awful, trigger. All of these are tragic. All of them are tragic losses of life. Whether you're talking about the life of the person who was killed or the loss of the life who who will you know, not live there, you know, not live a life outside of incarceration anymore. Um, they're all tragic. But you can't, you know, you, there's just something about the pattern here and mm -hmm. the going and doing it repeatedly until you got in and escalating it. It was like they were trying to see who could kill someone first almost. I mean, I, I doubt they actually verbalized that, but they were trying to see who could do the most damage. Um, and the most damage has to end up being someone's dead. Now, you know, I, I think it will be interesting to see what they say about whether they thought they could kill someone or not. That would be, I, I think, the one weakness in the, the prosecutor's case is being able to prove that they were indifferent to the death of another person or not. If they, if we, they we, up, we can agree on one thing, yeah. and it, it's kind of sage advice I give. They call us counselor, right? Somebody who suffers a trauma, emotions running high, like they were when you wrote your powerful column. It's smart that before you do anything, take an action, not write. Writing is fine, but take an action like, I don't know, lynch a guy, whatever. You take some time, right? And it's good for time to pass because the way you feel, man, I've told some people the story who don't follow the news, they get outraged, just like you. Yeah. Then a week passes, and then a month, I and then there's a court. You look at these boys in the courtroom, you see their families. And then a month from now, after all the discoveries exchanged, and then a preliminary hearing set, these boys are in jail. I call them boys because they're 18 years old. And I looked at them, and I have boys. It's like I would call my sons. And I think they should go to jail for the rest of their life. I'm with you. That's my default position. Convince me otherwise. And you have to learn all the facts. Yeah. But it's probably best that no real decision gets made until two or three months pass. You know, most court cases are too slow. But here, 
holy cow, let's not react with pure emotion. Let's think about this. What is best societal response to this kind of bullshit? Oh, I mean, I, I, I wholly agree. And I think, you know, it's, it, it actually, it actually uh, bothers me a lot. In this world that we live in right now, we've got podcasts, and you've got so many podcasts, and you know, I I have a friend who does a true crime podcast, mm-hmm. or at least she used to, and then another one who does, um, and and they're not attorneys; they're just kind of regular people. It is amazing to me the jumping to conclusions that happens, and so absolutely, did I write about you know my my job as an opinion columnist is to write in in you know what opinion and feeling, and that was my first take. That said, I would never, never, never want to see someone not given due process and not given going all the way through the process. Um, and, you know, I think that that's uh, here. I think it's going to be important. It's going to be important for them to figure it out. But I don't think that, you know, I, I mean, for me, again, it would be one thing if it was just, you know, kids who were kind of making a mistake versus kids who were actually actively trying to create mass destruction. And that, that's where the, we kind of move on. And I almost see a big difference in in who we're talking about here because it sounds like these were not people who really cared much about whether they killed someone. Right, but you're saying they, and it's three people. Uh-huh. They're individuals. Wouldn't you suspect that there was one alpha dog as opposed to three alphas? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I mean, I, I think, I think the reverse might have been actually uh, the case. When I, when I think about this, especially with a group of three, um, you might actually just talk about they're egging each other on in this sort of vicious circle. That's what and happened. There, worked. there's two of them, and I think the third guy. I don't have the names. I'm right. just absorbing this. But the third guy was new to it, and these other two, since February, mm-hmm. as you accurately recounted had been going out there doing this. And, hey, you want to come with us? And this guy maybe got a little too enthusiastic. Maybe he took it to a level that had never been approached before. That's going to be one of their stories. Hey, he's the new guy. He didn't know that we, we don't go for the kill. Yeah, but, I mean, that how much diff- is that much different than because we live in Colorado? Columbine. With Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, because when you when you read all the documentaries about that and all of that, it was clearly Eric Harris who was the instigator and was the you know sociopath. Is the, I know that's not the proper language anymore, but he was the one who was um, in, totally indifferent to human life and wanted to take. And Dylan Klebold was you know just his friend and very. Um, depressed. You know, depressed and want you know is wanted to be you know a part of that and so you know so the two of them went around. Dylan Klebold is still a mass murderer. Um, okay, let's know. say they both survived. What should have happened to them? Oh, <laughs> I I don't think I don't think we would have a I don't think we would have had a prison sing- sentence long enough for the two of them. Well, we had a death penalty yeah. back then. Should it have been we used? Did. Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Oh my God. It would have been one was 18, one was 17. Can you imagine the hubbub that would have brought about? Sure. Sure. Death penalty for one, but not for the other. Well, and you know, it it is, it has been interesting to me as a lawyer. Also the, the movement away, the movement towards charging, um, charging people under 18 as adults more and more frequently. And, And maybe I'm wrong, but it's my, my instinct is 
they're getting charged more frequently, particularly for violent crimes. Yeah, um, maybe no, maybe no, you no, know no. enough. Yeah, back in the early 80s, one of the most serious cases I had, holy cow, it's like 40 years ago, a bunch of kids, they were gang members. I don't know if there were gangs in Denver then, but they were bad oh, yeah. 16-year-olds. And one of them was named David Lee Young. And he and a guy, Glenn Noble, I'm thinking about these guys, they rang the doorbell of some... Uh, a beautiful, uh, some white couples in Park Hill. And once they answered the door, they rushed in, four of them, tied up the men and raped the women, robbed the place. They did a series of them, just like you were talking about. We caught them, and I had to do the transfer hearing, moving them to adult court. And then David Young's brothers ended up in a death penalty case. Roger Young, Roy Young, it was a bad family. Holy cow. So we had these kind of violent crimes back in the day. And frankly, we had a little more coverage because we had the Rocky, we had the Denver Post, they had reporters assigned. I don't know, there wasn't that much about the arraignment of uh, these three juvenile killers. And that day, somebody got shot in, what, Edgewater at the uh, uh, electric power uh, charging station. It's one crime overtakes the other. It's crazy. Well, it's a clickbait society, right? And I mean, you and I both write, you know, regularly for the Sun, and you do this podcast, and I think we're we're contemplative in the way that we do that. But I don't think that's the way the general public takes information anymore. I mean, even 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 in an online version like the Sun, where it's got a column, you know, we're encouraged not to write columns that are too long because they can't keep right. people's attention. Um, you know, and so there's a set amount of time. I I mean. I don't know if most of your readers know, but you know my columns are typically about 650 words. Um, now that's a, that's a let taken over from the Denver Post because they actually had inch inches when I used to write for the Denver Post, and so you couldn't go over that because you'd start there just wasn't physical right. room, and so it's not an issue on the sun as much, but it is an issue on how long people pay attention and will they read through a really long column and a really you know um, difficult complex column, and I think a lot of people don't and. You know, it's 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 wild to me. I, and you know, I, I mentioned for my friend, you know, friends who are true crime, crime podcasters. And it, it, what goes through my mind is they absolutely are on the side. I don't know if you know about Kai, the axe wielding hitchhiker. There was a Netflix documentary about this guy, and etc. And they were they are absolutely on the side of, oh well, he was he was kind of framed and he was locked up. And I'm like, I don't even know how you could view the evidence that's here and like not and can come away with that conclusion. Well, let's talk about a Colorado but, case that my wife is following, Letitia Stout, down in Colorado uh, Springs. The jury just got the case. I doubt they'll decide Friday afternoon. But she says the prosecution's been great, the defense not so much. And I say, why are you watching this so much? She said, I remember when that little boy was missing. It was so cold. And I kept thinking about him in the cold. Turned out the stepmom allegedly killed him, and he was gone. Kind of like we're hoping that uh, this murder victim, uh, Alexa, didn't suffer, right? Sure. So anyway, yeah, they're, on YouTube, it's replete with it. But you know what I like? And I know you like, I like sports. I don't know why you <laughs> like soccer. You got a Napoli it's, hat Because it's the greatest game in the world. It's Wega Bonita. It's the greatest game. It's the beautiful game, Craig. Did the oh. abs loss hurt you at all? You know, it did a little bit, um, although I'm going to take some of the blame for that because 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever read any of my columns where I mentioned the British Bulldog, which is my yes, kind of yes. favorite bar. Yes, near, near the courthouse. Um, I know the place. Well, you'll have to come down. Come down to a soccer match. I'll buy you breakfast. We'll watch. You'll have a good time. It's, it is it's a... What's his name? Who runs the, it? Oh, it's or the owned by the, the, it, there was a guy Noel, or was that a lot? Oh, no, you used to do. Right, Noel's yes. right, but I that was him. maybe like fifteen years ago. Okay, well, that's how um, old I am. The, the little little brew pub com- well, Let's not talk like about soccer because I might fall asleep. And I, actually, <sighs> I want to. I just was going to tell you that the abs loss meant nothing to me. Why are you taking the blame? Did you make oh, him switch off the game for last, soccer? No, 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 because last year my wife and I would go down for most of the games that, to the British Bulldog to watch them um, all the way through the uh, Stanley Cup uh, final, and so we watched that. So you let him we down. Didn't, we didn't go to any of the – we didn't go down. We, we figured there would be more time, so we didn't go down um, this year, and then super, they're out. So are you superstitious? Out. Yeah. You uh, are? When, it comes to, when it comes to sports – Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the fact that I'm wearing a Napoli hat. There are no more superstitious fans in the entire world than the people of Naples. Well, I'm a little on edge because my Nuggets are in round two, game three in Phoenix. I think Phoenix is wrongly favored, and I'm going to bet that way. Anyway, are you at all excited that Denver has the greatest player in the history of basketball who just got screwed out of his third straight MVP? (laughs) Well, a couple things. First, I mean, I think I think the MVP race is just a joke. I mean, it's 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 not based on a whole lot of stuff. And Joel Embiid won because he was campaigning for it. And, and granted, he had a great season, and he's finished twice uh, number two to Jokic in a row. But Jokic had a historic season, and right. and I mean, if he had had point two assists more per game and averaged a triple double, would they have still denied him? I, there I mean, were I two know. turning points in that MVP race. You know what they were? Uh, probably the one when Embiid um, put up a huge number yes. in Philadelphia against Jokic, and then maybe the one when Embiid refused to play at Jokic in, in Denver. Well, that should have counted against Embiid, so sure. obviously it didn't. Sure, sure, sure. And, and to me, the one was uh, Michael Malone rested him up when he was in the middle of the race, and he could have gone out and scored 40 easily. But it's one guy. It's Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, yeah. He's... Uh, an analyst, wasn't a great player, big man, played for Boston, etc. He's on ESPN. He started saying Jokic is, keeps beating Embiid because he is a white guy from Europe as opposed to Embiid who is black. And that, I don't think that's right. I think that's like saying, hey, guys, don't talk about Clarence Thomas because uh, isn't that what Mike Lee said? We'll get on to that, but I hate when race is invoked in the wrong circumstance. Yeah, I mean, I think we're just talking about two great players. Yes, so that's we what, are. That's what we, that's what we should focus on is the greatness of the players and how does it work and how good are they. I mean, I mean, you know, furthermore, I mean, we live in the world of sabermetrics now too where you can, you can do this and you can actually look and there was no player in the NBA who was more viable to their team on the court than Jokic. Then Nikola the, Jokic. The, the, the Nuggets were substantially better with him, and they were better with him on the floor than any other team was with any other player in the NBA, including Joel Embiid. And I, I mean, if we're talking about most valuable player. I mean, I think you gather that in there. It's, 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 it's an interesting arguments back and forth and all of that. And and I mean, I think the other thing is Jokic. Jokic is one two, and honestly, he seems more right now. The only thing he wants is to lift I the know, NBA. I I had a big bet on him winning the third MVP, and I got like ten to one odds, which was ridiculous. I said 
he's improving and damned if he wasn't better than the two years he won the MVP. Yeah, well, I, well you know, I think that's, you know, that's another interesting point because, and I think this happens in sports, it happens in politics, it happens all the time. When you're kind of up against someone, but you're also up against another someone not in the room. And I think Jokic was up against the ghosts of Larry Bird and the ghosts of Oscar Robinson. And writers basically said, we don't think you're in their class, so we can't give you three in a row. And, you know, bringing it back to politics, I think that's one of the reasons why Hillary Clinton lost in 2016. Sure, she was running against Donald Trump. She was also running against Bill Clinton. Because people would compare her to her husband and how, you know, folksy he was and oh they like this and she had always come off as cold or or someone who didn't you know by right. comparison. So she was losing votes that probably weren't rightly done because she wasn't her husband or didn't have the same, you know or or because she was judged because she stood by him or a whole lot of other reasons, but she was running against him as much as Donald Trump. And I think Jokic was running against Oscar Robinson and Larry Bird as much as against Joel V. There go. Oscar Robertson, University of Cincinnati. He was great. I remember him. He was the triple-double king, 6'5 guy. And, yeah, Larry Bird, absolutely. But I'm still going to blame Kendrick Perkins. I don't know if you watch ESPN, yeah. but that guy dogged Jokic. And... The best revenge is to live well, right? Win an NBA championship. Isn't this a lot more exciting than these other sports, soccer and hockey? I don't even see how it's the just two a compare. distraction. It's just a distraction. Like to uh, look, my team already won the championship. They won it uh, yesterday, and so you know. But how can the sport of hockey or soccer with so few scores compared to basketball where the ball's in the air is it going to go in Ugh. who's going to get the rebound it's so much drama it's so much athleticism no no the drama the athleticism of soccer is is, uh. is 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 so much more because you have up and down and you have you know you have guys sprinting at full pace up like and down basketball and can have the but do they have the touch with their feet to just inch the ball here or there and when they hit the My ball God. and they yeah, make it curl around the player and, do you eat with your feet come on I god mean, gave us hands and you come up with a sport where you can't about, use a hand the thing that distinguishes humans you've got a thumb use it invent a sport like baseball or basketball or football You've got a thumb that does things that no other mammal can do. Craig, we're bipedal. That was really what started us along this path, is that we're bipedal. Right. So use those feet that you use yes. for being bipedal to put the ball in the net. You've got to run like the wind to be a great basketball player, unless you're Nikola Jokic. That's yeah, well, I, I, will like. say, I will say one of the reasons that basketball lost me over the last, because I loved the Nuggets when they beat the Sonics, and what was it like? Oh, I want to say like 92 or 93, and they were the eight versus one. George Carl, not uh, Lafonso yes. Ellis. Um, and, you know, I'd watch them. But, you know, then basketball really evolved into this almost like, all right, just isolation and isolate our great player just to drive and then score and all that. And a lot of – so, I mean, I'll watch basketball, but it really hadn't changed a lot until until Jokic came along and just changed it because he's so unique. Um but, you know, that, that said, I, I think that the drama behind soccer – I will say one of the problems with soccer in America is there's a very high bar to entry. Um, and I think that it's hard for a lot of people to 
uh, across that part entry to understand, oh, well, there's country leagues, and then there's the Champions League, and then there's the World Cup, and how do you get involved right. in that? But once you nobody, do, nobody cares. Oh, That's great. the problem with soccer. But before we go, let's tie it to international affairs. I cannot name a Colorado Rapid right now. Connor Casey, right? What was that 20 years ago? His yeah. mom's suitcase. He ran for, was a city councilwoman, invented the word soccer mom, as I recall. <laughs> but did you hear that Messi is being offered like a gazillion dollars by uh, uh, Prince Salman in Saudi Arabia? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, because he's following up Ronaldo because their 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 careers. We're talking about two of the greatest players to ever play have kind of paralleled each other. Um, did the Saudis buy Ronaldo? They did last year. They 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 they. So so Ronaldo and Manchester United came to a mutually agreed separation. Um, and then the Saudis, I, I want to say they guaranteed like a hundred million dollars a year um, to Ronaldo, and he's at the very tail end of his career um, to play for them. Uh, it was something dumb like that, and that's probably what they're offering Messi too. Is you know. Two hundred million, two hundred fifty million dollars a year to play, and, and um, they tell you it's like a nickel out of every Philip for us. We get to pay so those guys can be uh, the killers of columnists like us if they don't like us. Khashoggi and their buddy Donald Trump goes along with it. Let me tell you where I'm going with this. Saudis are in bed with Trump. They do that live golf tour. They funnel money mm-hmm. to him like the Russians used to. And he stole documents for them. That's what he hid down in Mar-a-Lago, and that's coming unraveled. It's all connected to soccer. Don't you understand? Oh, it's it's, it's not soccer. I mean, no, soccer I know. Born, I made a joke. Born, but, but, born in Scotland. But it's but, authoritarianism yeah. is ruining sports. To me, it's ruined golf, another favorite sport of mine. They're trying to buy things like billionaires do, isn't it? I mean... Rich people can make discretionary purchases, maybe even a successful lawyer. I don't know. Maybe I'll get a nice car. But these guys think about jets. They think about soccer teams. They think about newspapers. They think about things that we would never even contemplate. That's how they get their kicks. Let's buy Lionel Messi. Sure. I mean, absolutely. That's what they're trying to do. And they're trying to legitimize their game in their country, which isn't going to happen. I mean, it's a little bit like legitimizing skiing in Saudi Arabia by building the world's biggest indoor ski But ski don't facility, you want to but, see Messi? Um, you know, I I don't think you want to see Messi at the tail end of his career. Would I want to see Messi and Barcelona 10 years ago? Absolutely. I mean, he was amazing. But, you know, the Messi that, that I've seen him watch for Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, um, the last few years, and he's not the same player he was before. And right, but him- it's like Phil Mickelson. I used to love the guy. Now I can't stand him selling out to the Saudis, aligning with Trump. And the other guys who, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, they're dead to me. Yeah, see, I don't. It, does, it doesn't bother me. I mean, they're they're making their money, and they're doing you know what's best for them and their families. Fine. And, what about Khashoggi? Uh, oh, you know, I mean, I think there there is something to be said about, you know, who you're working with. Um, and, and yeah, I think that you're in trouble in time with, you, with the Saudis. And well, just, you work just for Khashoggi? Just he, ask Jared Kushner, right? Right. I mean, he's on the take. He's horrible. He should well, get indicted, too. But I'm just asking in this world where I would not work for MBS. If he asked me to write a column or be his lawyer or whatever... I'd I'd give a hard no, just like I would to Tina Peters or anybody who's part of the big lie. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that there's, and, and, and I, I think a lot of these folks don't kind of think about it in that terms. Um, and I'll give you a, a great example, and it's not the Saudis, but it's uh, cryptocurrency. So Sam Bankman-Fried. Yes. And they had, how many of the stars are now getting sued because they, there's a great lawsuit, I don't know if you've saw, seen it, but they're being sued over selling cryptocurrency by people and saying, we wouldn't have bought in if you hadn't done this because they had these huge contracts. You know who didn't? Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift, I was shrewd enough with her and her business advisors to go in and say, hey, we have some concerns here about this. Explain it. And it wouldn't, when it didn't get explained well enough to her, um, she said no to like a $100 million contract. Her saying no has come into the uh, trial. Nice. Because, because they're saying, look, you could have known. She knew. You should have. Pay up. Like, Take that money, that ill-gotten money that you got that, you know, ended up bankrupting people across the country, across the world, um, and uh, cough some of that money did up. You watch that, did you watch that Taylor Swift documentary? I have not seen it yet. Did you see the snippet that was on Twitter where she told her managers who were saying, look, you can't get political. You're going to piss off half your crowd. She, in effect, said, I don't care. I can't stand Trump. He's ruining the country. I'm going to do it anyway. That's what I feel. And I loved her for that. She stood up for women's rights. She's changed a lot. I saw her in Denver at that federal court case. I swear she looked at me and I don't know. There was something. Anyway, (laughs) I have a lot of admiration for Taylor Swift. And I never thought I'd say it because back in the day, Dan Kaplis revered her and he had a daughter, and I didn't really care one way or the other, but now I love her. I, I wish she'd run for president. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, I, I, I will say this. I, I've never gotten people who say that celebrities shouldn't speak out about politics, and they should. I mean, you know, they've got followings. Now, I don't know that people should give it the weight that they do. I think people give it too much weight sometimes, and that bothers me, but I mean— they're allowed to have opinions too. So it, that doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me when it comes one, you know, for one side or the other so much. I just, I think that people give it too much weight is probably the problem. Um, so when people are pointing fingers at celebrities doing that, I think they probably should look at a mirror and probably point the finger at that instead. All right. Eclectic Mario. Last time you were sitting there, it was with Leslie Herod. She yep. was running for mayor. Cole West was with you. I thought she was impressive. What happened? You know, I mean, these races uh, are always tough and they're difficult. Um, I, I think there are a lot of things that happened um, and went back and forth. But, you know, one of the columns that I wrote in the immediate aftermath was, hey, look, a lot of politics comes down to the money. And lo and behold, the two biggest uh, fundraisers are the ones who are in the runoff um, and who had. And particularly what I think is really important for people to understand um, is that not just fundraisers, but the two. Because Leslie was pretty close in fundraising. I mean, she wasn't, you know, she was pretty close to Mike Johnson and, you know, only a few hundred thousand behind Kelly Bruff. But what she didn't have is the massive independent expenditure committees. And the billionaire club, the billionaire backing. I mean, tell me how it works. We heard about the Fair Election Fund. Denverites could give 50 bucks. It could be matched nine times. Wow. That was supposed to get big money out of the race, did it? Oh well, uh, you'll never get big money out of the race. Um, I mean, I, I think I think it's always naive to say getting big money out of the race. I think what the Fair Election Fund was supposed to do, and I think it did do, 
was it gave more people an opportunity to run a real campaign. So, you know, I, I think Leslie would have she was going to run a real campaign regardless because she had that kind of clout. So with Mike, so with Kelly, but you did have some good, interesting voices out there, like you know, um, like an Ian Tafoya, or you had a um, you know uh, Chris Hansen was out there, um, you know, who were able to be out there and 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 make a real campaign where maybe they wouldn't have been able to before. I think that's what the Fair Election Fund was for and was intended for and did accomplish. Chris Hansen, who was a guest of mine, who just endorsed Kelly Brock. Okay, well, I'll be a guest of yours and I'll endorse Mike Johnson. So, so Are you? Is this a formal I, declaration? I, I, Why? Uh, you know, so I worked with Mike. I was his uh, general counsel when um, for COVID Check Colorado. I was general counsel for COVID Check Colorado, um, doing all of the uh, testing for... Uh, lots of Coloradans across the state. And then we helped to run three of the big mass vaccination sites. So during the pandemic, we were doing that. And that was a part of Gary um, Community Ventures, which Mike ran. Um, and so it was, you know, I got to see some of his leadership style. Um, and he actually brings a really strong um, style of having people go out there and really dedicating themselves to it in public service. And we're going to put ourselves out there and we can make a difference in the world. And I think, you know, right now, Denver's having a tough time. It probably needs that kind of outlook. It probably needs that kind of uh, person in charge. It's going to be like, you know what? Let's find the silver lining and let's catch it. Um, you know, let's let's get that. Um, let's make sure that everyone is kind of bringing that in. I think Denver really needs that right now. I don't have a problem with Kelly Bruff. I like Kelly. Um, she's nice. I think she's smart. I think she's capable. Um, you know, she's not going to kill Denver. Um, you know, it's, it's not as though she's going to be some sort of terrible, you know, uh, mayor who is going to uh, drive us in the ground. But I think that Mike brings that little extra bit of spark and that little extra bit of, hey, we can make something special here uh, that's really got me. So, being able to work with him so closely, um, I, I I had that uh, background, um, and I think he'll bring that to the mayor's office. So, so I wrote him a check for I maxed out my my contribution wow. to him, and then um, um, if you'd have loved him, you would have moved to Denver, so it could be, it would have been multiplied. Well, the so first of all, only the first fifty dollars is multiplied. Wow. So that's out of the five hundred, but. Right. Um, but also, I mean, I mean that, again, was your, but, that was your first 50 to Mike, right? But, uh, well, I wrote it all in one check. Right. <laughs> um, so, so it was the first 500 enti entirely, but yes, it was, it was the first to anyone, but well, cause I've been working for Leslie through, through the end. No, the I, I, I think Mike's impressive. He's yeah. been on twice. And last week I had Ken Toltson who loves Mike, but he's a big Kelly fan. And, uh, it's gone back and forth. Mm. Morgan Carroll said she likes Mike Johnston. Who's more progressive? Who's more conservative between those two? I'd say Mike is probably more uh, more progressive. I think I think Kelly Kelly is more of the business as usual sort of candidate, uh, which is not all bad. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm I tend to come at things from you know more of a business perspective anyway. You are a Republican. Um, I was. So I would I think you'd vote for the person, not the progressive. Yeah, well, you know, it's it, it's it's funny when people lump things in, in ways like that. So I was always Republican because I believed in individual rights, and I believe that individual rights were the best way to fight against and stop autocracy. <laughs> and you can see the you can see the oh, humor as, as that, it exists uh, now. Yeah, that's where we're going to go now. Um, because yeah. I, you know, that's that's I mean, that's why I have to fight so hard against the Republican Party right now. Um, 
That said, I mean, I don't think that Mike. You would you would never look at Mike as some sort of you know um, flaming liberal. You know, um, you would never look at him as a you know a a red meat um, progressive. Uh, you know, it's not as though he's thinking about leaving the Democratic Party to go become a socialist. You know, it's he's not he's not on that side of the party. But I'd say I, I think more Denver, Denver has two good choices and I'm going to stay neutral. You know why? Because I don't get to vote. I'm just outside of Denver. And uh, if I did vote, I would tell my listeners that's just the way I do things. But I will tell you that my guest next week, I'm pretty sure will endorse Kelly Bruff. You know why? Because um, it's Kelly Bruff? It's Kelly Bruff. You are right. <laughs> She's doing her return visit next week. Hey, maybe she'll surprise you. <laughs> now, the guy I don't want to have a return visit to the White House is Donald Trump. And I'm scared to death. I mean, you've been part of the Lincoln Project, and I listened to Tara Setmeyer. She's good. Yeah, and, yeah, I know Tara. And it's inevitable he's going to get the nomination. The GOP is too weak to stand up to him or too terroristic. They're part of the mob. And once he's running against Joe Biden, who is old, could fall down at any moment, who knows? I don't like that possibility for America. How about you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I I, I, I understand Joe, Joe is older. President Biden is, you know, someone who looks at people like they like to point out like that. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be effective. And I think a lot of it's because we know Trump and we just don't. America doesn't like Trump, not as a president, not as a leader. And I know that that'll piss off a whole. He's the most polarizing figure we've ever I had. I agree, but twenty five percent of our populace love him. That's right. That well, and not just lo- not just love him, but love him. Big capital L, big capital O, big capital V, big capital E, red heart emoji. Love him. Oh, that's sick. And 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 I and it's it, we it's, have a sick country. Twenty five percent feel that that guy's worthy of love. Well, it's 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 because it's because you know we've we've fallen into this trap that our forefathers kind of warned about. Um, you know the, the the you know the founders of this country warned about about factions and you know and, and falling into it because for me the Republican Party doesn't even have an ideology anymore. Um, I mean everyone's like oh conservative. It's not really conservative. You you can't tell me it's conservative. I, I know what conservative means, and that's not it. Uh, it is it is. I say the Republican Party is more contrarian right now. They don't have any ideas except whatever the other guys are saying is wrong. Right. <laughs> it's QAnon. I mean, Joe Biden is old. I get it. He's not. Uh, he doesn't have a fastball. I'm not sure he ever did. But he's done yeah. some decent things. And the bottom line is the other side acts like QAnon. I had Mike Rothschild on, and they demonize Biden. They make him a socialist. They make him a doddering fool. Other people are pulling the strings, probably Jews. It's just a, it's a caricature of old Joe Biden. Yeah, well, it's that, and that's exactly right. Is is that segment of the society just loves that demonization? And, but but you know, when you come down to it, Joe Biden. Let's say Donald Trump did beat Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not going to go try to overthrow the U.S. government just to keep his seat. Donald Trump's already done that. He has already done that. Um, and and God knows what would, he would try to do if in office again, because he might be even more proactive in t- trying to do that. He, I, you know, Donald Trump's the kind of guy who absolutely does not think that the Constitution applies to him. Um, and, and certainly he didn't as president. 
um, and would do whatever he needs to do from there. And people will support him because he's their guy. And I'm using the air quotes right now and for listeners that can't see it, but he's just their guy. And that's the danger that we're in right now. That's, that's really the dangerous part of of where we are as a country and i and i it's, it's one of the reasons why i in, in i've done this in a couple of my columns too i really think we need to get do away with partisan primaries um because because the vast majority of people who are elected office they don't win because they win in a general election they win because they won the partisan primary in a very safe district for one side right. or the other. And, and we've allowed America to be gerrymandered, right. Shelby decision out of the U- U.S. Supreme Court. Um, before we get on to the U.S. Supreme Court, I keep looking at your hat, Napoli. No. And I think about Trump and I think about fascism. And fascism comes from Italy, right? Mussolini came up with the term to describe mm. his movement. And gosh, Napoli... Italy, what are you trying to get dual members or dual citizenship? Or? Well, to be fair, I mean, be- but, but let's just start because we've thrown around the word authoritarianism, fascism. Do you put those labels on Trump, and what does it have to do with Italy, if anything? Yeah, I don't know if I throw fascism out there for Trump, but definitely he's an authoritarian, right? Um, and and I mean, I think. People throw around the word fascism, in my opinion, because they're simply it's simply another way of calling people Nazi and applying to that that emotional appeal of you call someone a Nazi and oh they're horrible and they have to be. I mean, yes, Nazis are terrible, um, but you know to paint with that wide a brush sometimes misses the mark. And I think when you miss a mark by that, the, the jeopardy that you run is that then people start ignoring you because they're like oh. You, you're always claiming the sky is falling. So I think you have to be precise in your language. And I think, I don't think that he would fall necessarily into fascism, but authoritarianism, which can have all kinds of different versions, absolutely. I think he is, I think he is the biggest proponent of fascism or of authoritarianism in the Western hemisphere. Uh, I, I think that if he could be in charge, and that, that's what I'm saying, he has, he has no regard for the Constitution. The Constitution is not the only thing that he has regard for. It is how can it help him to get more power? But if it doesn't, or if it stands in his way, he will he will not only ignore it, but he will actively work against it. It's like the rules of golf. He's not looking for the rules. He's looking for the loopholes. How can I cheat? What can I do? What? Oh. How can I train the system? And he's clearly an authoritarian. Do you think he'll fairly compete for the Republican primary? Last I heard. No debates. I'm so far ahead in the polls. Call them off. Just declare me the winner, just like you did with your party platform. Say it's whatever I want. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's typical. That's typical political um, um, going back and forth. And, and you know, any any front runner wants to limit the n- number of debates because debates are just simply free press for someone who isn't beating you right now, and they're a free shot for someone. So, of course, you want to limit them, and that's what a front front runners do. So I don't see that as necessarily, necessarily uh, you know, but due to him just being authoritarian. Um, but, I mean, you know, it, it shares some of the tendencies. I, I, I worry more about what he would do in office and how he would use that, and I think that's uh, – it should be terrifying for all Americans, and unfortunately there's a big swath that aren't terrified. That said – I, I think if he and Biden go up against each other again, uh, I think it's a bigger Biden b- victory. 
Um, and I, I think so, too, but it's like stepping in the ring with whoever, Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Sure, you know, sure. And, and, and if he falls, and they're going to say, look, if you like Joe, we already heard it from Nikki Haley, this guy's not going to survive. He's old. He'll be dead. Kamala Harris will be your president. I know that's just race baiting, but... Uh, I agree, because, uh, I mean, I'm not a huge Kamala Harris fan, but I'm not a big detractor, and I do yeah. see a fair amount of racism and misogyny and not even giving her a chance. Well, I mean, bringing it back to Denver, and you brought up the fact that I worked for Leslie Harrod, um, I, I got to see that really up close. That was the That was the first woman of color that I have worked for politically before, and I'll be blunt, I... That played a huge role. Um, you you asked about things. I think that played a huge role in her race, um, and that was very difficult for her to overcome. Um, I mean, it was you know, it, and I think that that plays a role for. And how could it be the race part? Because I grew up, you know, the the biggest marriage race I ever got involved in was normally against Wellington Webb. So uh, Denverites will vote for a black. Maybe it had more to do with her not just being black. But being female and oh, gay. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's all I think there's all of that plays a part. But I mean, I, I you know I know we had Norm Early versus versus Mary Webb, and Mary Webb was you know one of, is just a legendary figure in Denver politics. But I'll also point out, you know, Denver is not a Chicago, and Denver is not an Atlanta. Um, and you know, the I think I think the population of Denver nine percent is black. So it's not as though it's you know this some sort of I don't know if you ever watched The Wire. Um, and no, the my son loves the, it. The, the mayor's race that they have in the latter seasons of The Wire, and they have that discussion here about you can never elect a white guy in Baltimore because you know because of the pop. Denver's not like that, and and you know I mean I actually think it's it's more shocking that we haven't had more Latino mayors. Um, you know I mean you got to go back to Pena, um, right? And you know pre Web for that. It's that's a little shocking to me, given the prevalence. Um, what do you do with population. Mike being part of Skull and Bones? I asked him about that. Fair attack, bad attack. Uh, I think it's probably a po pretty poor attack. I mean, I, I get where people are. You know, it, it, to me, that just seems more like a clickbait type type of attack. And oh, we're appealing to people's conspiracy theory um, beliefs. I think that's mainly that that goes to. I mean, it, first of all, it's you know. Yeah, lots of lots of fraternities, lots of finishing clubs, whatever you want to call them, do dumb things um, in this world. Um, and they, and particularly if you go back in their history and you go back fifty years, sixty years, seventy years, they do really awful things as well. Um, but I don't know that anyone's ever made a claim that they ever did while Mike was there, or that he was ever a part of anything that was nefarious or something of that nature that he was actually party to. And so that that's where I think that starts to get a little bit unfair. Right. Because uh, societies evolve. I don't know. I never went to Yale. Uh, and I'm sure I won't. I, I do. My brother's a Harvard grad and he teaches at Harvard. Yes. So I don't know. I'm, I might have to work on him voting for a Yaley, but an Eli, as he would call him. But it is. Uh, it's fascinating to me that. Uh, you have made a lot of changes. You worked at, uh, what was it, the Denver Post, and then you switched over to the Colorado Sun? I started at the Colorado Statesman, and right. then I was at the Denver Post, and then when the Sun opened, uh, I, I wrote for them. I um, I had been writing bi-weekly for the, so every other week 
for the post and I'd ask them if I could write every week. And they said, no. And I said, all right. Well, and then Larry Reichman for the sun called me up and said, would you write for the sun? And I was like, I was like, oh, I, I can't write against you in the same week that I'm writing for the post. And I was like, but they don't have me write every week. And my contract says that I can write for anyone else that I want to. So, um, so sure. I'll write for you on the weeks that, you know, that I wrote one and I got a phone call from the Denver post and they were like, you can't do that. I'm like, Oh really? I'm like, here, here's my contract. Boy, that uh, that sounds I have like me and Ken you ask. And yeah. they were like, uh, uh, well, we don't have to publish it. I'm like, you know, you're right. And so I called Larry and I said, can I write for you every week? And he said, sure, absolutely. We'd love to have you. So that's how, that's how, that's how my, my time, and you know, I, I, I do want to say there are some people at the post that I loved, um, Chunk Puckett I love, but they share, they, they canned him after that famous right. editorial page afterward. Uh, Megan Schrader, who's the current editorial page editor, is fantastic. She is wonderful. The Post has um, someone in that position who is truly terrific. It's just the problem is they have lost so much institutional knowledge at the Post over the last five, ten years. that that's and, and that's not even without getting to the Rocky and not having the Rocky, which bring full circle to what we were talking about before – well, we were able to talk about things right. like these, you know, the rocks going through. And it wasn't just a, hey, this immediate thing and this terror and this terror is going around in Denver. And, oh, they've arrested someone. We'll move on. Um, I mean. Here's what I wanted to talk about with a smart lawyer like you. Okay. And that is some court cases. I'm publicly predicting that the civil case of this century is concluding this week. Carol versus Trump. E. Jean Carroll mm -hmm. has convinced me that this cretin put his hand in an insider dress, took down her tights, put his finger in her, and then he did something more. Just like he said to Billy Bush, and they played that tape. He said, they let you grab him by the pussy. And you know what he said after that? Even more of a conspiratorial whisper. After he said, you can grab him by the pussy, he said, you can do anything. And that anything was yeah. then he put his genitals and hers in that Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. I believe her. I prosecuted a lot of sex assault cases. She's got two outcry witnesses. She's got uh, his confession. Uh, she's got similar offenses. Two women who he started kissing out of nowhere. When they brought it up, he said, they're not my type. I'd never do that. He gave terrible testimony in the depot. I think she's going to own Trump Tower next week. It's going to be a big deal. And this judge, a federal judge with lifetime tenure, Kaplan, he's pissed at Trump. And maybe he came back to get a tongue lashing from this judge. All hell's going to break loose next week. That's my prediction, Mario. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think this, this is... This is the classic case of no one's above the law. And and to be clear, Donald Trump thought he was above the law for decades. I mean, he's he has always thought that his wealth and power and privilege afforded him the ability to be beyond the law. And, and you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. He's not always been wrong um, because, because, you know, money can buy you a much better defense in this country. I mean, I mean, I don't think you can be a an honest lawyer without saying that. You know, you get you get more expert witnesses. You can do more analysis. You've got a team of attorneys doing that. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the problems with our system. Again, I think we've got 
our, our system is the worst system in the world, except for all the others. <laughs> Until the AI, keep right. going. Yeah, but so, so you know, there, there is that. Um, but I mean, you know, ironically, I mean, I think he thought the presidency would make him even more above the law. And I think it might have actually made him pulled him back within the law because now there was such a spotlight and people are paying attention to that they're not just worried about the oh uh, you know they're not just going to blow off over the crappy dumb billionaire who's doing dumb billionaire things but he's the former president someone who's such a spotlight that they want to fixate on him so it's almost the reverse of the people who are fixated on him because they love him they're the people who are fixated on him because they hate him um, no, I'm fixated on him because he's a traitor to our country. I think he yeah. should have been convicted along with the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers for seditious conspiracy, at a minimum, uh, oh. a violent plot to disrupt uh, the act of Congress and certifying the election. He needs to be prosecuted by Jack Smith. I think that's coming soon. Mar-a-Lago, January 6th. Bonnie Willis bringing it up in Atlanta this summer. The walls, the legal walls are closing in on Donald Trump, but he won't go down without a fight. And he's got buddies like Khashoggi and Putin. I think this may be the summer of our discontent. Talk me off the ledge, Mario. Oh, well, it's going to be hard since I've already fallen off of it <laughs> myself. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't I, I think people should be rightly terrified. And I think I mean, uh, you know, I, I worry about this. I will say I was really pleasantly surprised with this past election, uh, 2022 election cycle, that we didn't see more violence. We didn't see more, um, you know, we didn't see guns at polls. We didn't see threats coming through. And I was, I was, I was mentally preparing myself for that and thought that that would happen. That said, if Donald Trump is on the ballot, I'm convinced it will. I, you know, I, I, you know, Even with the Colorado GOP getting such stable leadership in the form of Dave Williams? Yeah, well, I mean... Dave, you know. uh, what was it? Let's go, Brandon. I mean, that guy bothers the hell out of me, and I, I don't know if I would have him on my show. To me, it, it, just how low can the Colorado GOP go? Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> It's not much lower than Dave Williams. I mean, I mean, Dave. Dave is that Dave is. I don't know him personally. Tell everybody what you know about Dave Williams. Oh, I've known I've known Dave, interacted with Dave for probably fifteen years, and he is a ardently anti-LGBTQ person. He's an, he takes his guide. Um, he's he, he he takes what he does and information from Rocky Mountain gun owners. You know, the the nuttiest of groups out there. I don't know if you know this, Craig. The very first thing, the very first press release that he sent out was a fundraiser for Rocky Mountain gun owners. And he got called out for it by people like Kelly Marr. And then they just ganged up on her, you know, and going back and forth. Look, he's a part of a group that is not concerned with governing whatsoever. They're concerned with gaining their own little fiefdom of power and holding on to it, no matter how small it is, so they can say they're in charge. Um, and they, they've got this and they know that there's a certain segment of our, our, you know, um, community, our, you know, our populace who will be with them. And that's, that's what Dave is doing. And Dave, Dave will not make anything better for Republicans in this state. And, you know, he'll proclaim that he will, but. Uh, well, he may get worse. Difference. You are the guy who more than anybody has predicted violence at the polls. I hope you are wrong. I hope you are an alarmist. Oh, I hope I am. Well, well I mean, but, but Dave Williams and his advocacy for guns, Rocky Mountain gun owners, 
I worry about that toxic combination. So many shootings going on. We started this show with violence. And some of these gun assholes go on the radio and say, hey, look, they're using landscaping rocks. Now we have to outlaw landscaping rocks. They're just like guns. Fuck you to everybody. And fuck you to the hosts who came on and said, this is all about marijuana. It has to be the marijuana that caused the rocks to be thrown. We never had any problems like this before we legalized marijuana. Everybody puts a political agenda on the death of Alexa Bartel. Fuck you. I've got to get a curse on my podcast. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know what? I think that's the proper. I think that's actually the proper reaction, too, is because so many people politicize these um, um, things like that and her death. And it, it just shouldn't be. I mean, I, th- I think it has to be about the facts of the case and what you can find out. Right. As I've said, for me. Um, and I don't. I, I am going to be clear. I do not have all the facts of the case. I, I can't. I'm just an outside spectator. But what I've read, you know, it just keeps on getting worse for me. But um, yeah, to then spin this into some sort of thing to defend the Second Amendment is ridiculous, and I, I think it's nuts. Um, I, I do think, you know, the Republican Party in Colorado just. It's just. I, I've had this argument with several people who, you know, who were, you know, high-ranking, you know, Republicans before. So I've talked with Governor Owens about this before. Um, I've talked to, you know, former um, Treasurer and State Senator Mark Hillman before about this. And, you know, they, they think that they can rebuild the party and rebuild it. And, you know, my point to all of them has always been, you're nuts. There's their party. It's not as though Trump is going to leave and then it'll all be, fall apart and you're going to build right. it back up to what it was before. I was like, the party is fundamentally different than the party that you led before. And it is not going to ever get closer, come back to you. It is, in fact, only going to go farther. And the only thing that's going to change is you because you're going to try to be a, to be, try to be a part of it and try to change it like you say you want to. You're going to have to appease some of the people by doing that, and you will actually find yourself taking more and more extreme positions. And I think you you can trace a lot of people in this state who have done that exact thing, uh, and 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 not just in the state across the country. And I mean, it's 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 horrific. But I mean, that's what they want to do to hold on to whatever it is that they thought that they had that was so important. I mean, you and know, your form your former co-host is, is no different. I know. And uh, I know Bill Owens and Mark Hellman just a little bit. And uh, I, we're twisted over Trump because I wish you'd go farther and say to those guys, hey, there is no Republican Party left, and it's incumbent upon you to stand up and say, this guy's terrible. Well, and I oppose him 100%. Well, well, fine then. Hey, Governor Owens. Hey, Mark Hellman. This guy's terrible. And it's yes, incumbent upon you to fight. They need to stand I'll say it right up and here do it. on your show. Yes. And I, I, well, I mean, that's that's why I joined the Lincoln Project, um, you know, years ago. And, and I haven't I haven't worked with them directly for a couple of years, but you know, during 2020, I did a lot of work with them, and that was our point: was you know, this guy is awful, and it is the downfall of our American system of government. Right. If we let him do that, we we must fight against him. We cannot sit back and simply say, "Hey, you know, we." personally hope that he loses so we can pick it up afterward no 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 because if he wins and you didn't do anything about it i mean it's it's the whole it's the whole you know they came for the gypsies and i did nothing right you know, they came for the jews and i had nothing and then they came for me and there was no one else around um and i i know i'm butchering that quote but i mean it's the same theory is is look if you don't stand up and fight against evil when you see it and mark my words 
Donald Trump is evil, then then it's on you if anything. And you bad made happens. that journey. You were a Republican. And when I first started reading you, you represented that point of view. Although yep. in fairness, you always showed compassion and humanity toward gays, right? And Oh yeah, that, that was that was that was the that well, I, I'll tell you that. So I, you know, I ran for state senate. Right. And the reason why I got primaried was because of that position. But I mean, for me, you know, I, and this is again where I tell people the Republican Party and what they th- say is conservative and not. I always base my support in conservative principles. So, for instance, when I argue that, I pointed out to people: look, equality literally comes before liberty in this country. You must have equality before you have liberty or you just have some sort of bastardized version of liberty. Um, Because, and, and, and it's not just me saying that. Look at our founding documents. Equality is always mentioned before liberty. Um, All right, let me respond like my former partner, my, well, they were a lot of Christians. They didn't like gay stuff. So you're making up stuff there, Mario. And to me, I don't care what the forefathers said. I know what I believe, and that is adults can do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting anybody else. And I don't believe that uh, people can change just by snapping their fingers and desiring to. So leave them the hell alone. Just let people live their lives. Am I right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of the problem is that you've seen from GOP is that they're not interested in letting people live their lives. If they were maybe more of a libertarian, they could have. And for instance, I mean, they kept on, it was funny because, you know, one of the things I said, you know, this is almost, you know, this is more than a decade ago was, hey, if you really thought that, then why do you think the government should be involved in marriage at all? And it's funny because now some of them have evolved to that, but it's only because they've lost everything else. The bottom Um, line is it's a lot of bigotry. Yeah. Right, and it's it's no coincidence that uh, the gays got put in the ovens, the Jews did. Anybody who wasn't part of the master race, it's always the others. And uh, your former party has a lot of racism in it. And Tucker Carlson, let's end on him. The guy was a bigot, and I would on Twitter frequently. Uh, point out Denver Trump Radio worships Tucker Carlson and then I'd link the ADL demanding that he be removed two years ago. They don't do that every day. They identified him as the bigot, the white supremacist, the great replacement theory guy that he is. And now all his private texts are confirming it. This guy might not have any firm political beliefs about Trump or this or that, but he doesn't like minorities. What did he mean when he said, White guys don't bite that way. Oh, people are inferior to whites. Whites are superior. What an asshole. But I'm a Jew. I'm not a white guy. So you tell me your thoughts. Yeah, no. I'm, so, you know, Tucker is a really interesting, I think, case. I bet because, you know him, um, too. I, I do not know Tucker. But, but I you know, I remember when he was coming up and he was more of the intellectual. Right. Republican George conservative Will. side. Uh, George yeah. Well. Yeah, he was going, he was, well, he he was trying to make for that. But what he realized as his career progressed was that wasn't going to get him. And being intellectually rigorous and honest was not going to get him the audience that he wanted. So he started being more outrageous and more outrageous. And I've got a theory that when folks do this and they get the echo chamber and they get the recognition and they get all of the support you know what they were really looking for in that that love that they were looking for 
it starts to be like, well, maybe I was right saying that. And so it's it's this cycle that just it makes it worse and worse. So I don't know that he started down that road. I don't know that he came out of college thinking that way. But I think as he gained more audience and he got more positive feedback, he started absolutely believing it more. And that's the same thing you see with people and Republicans who are supporting the Republican Party as it is or Trump. But, but, you know, don't personally don't support him, but they do so in public. They wind up convincing themselves more and more and more, you know, of what well, is it the positive is feedback or is it the negative pushback when people like the ADL say fire this guy? Does that make him hate the ADL more? Does that make him push back? More? Oh, I think they work in conjunction. I, I think I, I think they work parallel to each other. Absolutely. I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, it's and that's why I bristled before in this interview about you know, talk about, you know, Trump is a fascist. And because I don't think that the the term, the technical term, as it's written out, actually applies to him. Um, and I think it's just some folks going and painting with too big a brush because they're trying to get an emotional reaction. And when you do that, then you do push the people on the side farther away. I, I, I confess, like, oh. I was going for clickbait because in my show notes with that Napoli hat, and I'm going to get a picture, I was going to say fascist, fascist, uh, soccer fan supports fascist Donald Trump. I don't know. I was going to make up something to get a lot of people to click on uh, well, our podcast. I, I, can I will, can, I will can give, you I, give me one? Well, I will. I will give you this: that there, <laughs> um, soccer, soccer in Europe, and it's because of European um, culture is is a greater, you know, and, and because their their history. Um, they have so much more division um, there. And than ethnic division, right? Yeah, yeah. well, and, and geographic division. So I'm wearing the Napoli hat, and I, I will tell you the North North Italy and South Italy have a huge um, disconnect from them. It makes the South and the North in this country look as though they were just the exact same. I mean, they because the, the Southerners feel like they were ruled, you know, for centuries um, by the iron fist of, you know, folks from the north. Um, and by the way, the folks from the north were typically more fascist than the folks from the south. Uh, so. well, can I can I just tell you a little story about Napoli? I don't sure, have sure. many. Ties into our subject, criminal justice. Uh, Chris Rodriguez got prosecuted for the kidnapping, rape, murder, horrible stabbing death of Lorraine Martelli. And then he left to go to Pennsylvania, he came back to do Jean Benet, that Mike Kane. But I was called in to do Frank Rodriguez as his replacement. And it had been solved on appeal. And I went to visit the victim's family, the family of the late Lorraine Martelli. They were a great old Italian family. And they had some of their uh, older members of the family there, some without necessarily an editor. And they were telling me about Napoli, where they were from, and it was so beautiful. <laughs> it was so lovely before the blacks and the Jews got here. Oh, well, I, well, I mean, I think that goes across. So, so the racial divisions in Europe as a whole are just brutal. Um, you know, in Russia, there are still clubs that don't allow uh, anyone who's black to play for them. Um, you know, so they had a lot of that going on. You have... You have ethnic divisions. So, so I mean, one of the all-time great soccer rivalries is um, in Glasgow, Celtic versus Rangers. And when they play that game, it's called the Old Firm game. Um, they have to play that game with a full section between the two supporters' sections uh, because 
Rangers, Rangers are Anglican and um, Celtic are Catholic, and right. and and you know it's it's you know Irish supporting versus not. I mean, we're in Scotland, but it's it's they and they have police who are lining that those two sections to keep it from going. I mean, the there there is definitely a lot of lot more of that. You still have um, um, one of my favorite players, uh, Kuludu Kulabali. Uh, Senegalese and he used to play for Napoli and he plays for Chelsea now so my two favorite clubs I actually have a scarf that is has both Chelsea and Napoli on them and he signed it for me last uh, uh, last wait, summer wait, you're talking it was too great. much soccer let's just agree on this but well no but he got he got racially abused in Milan in well, Milan which imagine. people think of yes. this as this sophisticated city and the crowd there I got racially abused in North Denver meeting the family but I brushed it up okay I said that's okay you're a little older maybe you didn't know it's Silverman's situation name things happen but I think we can confirm that neither of us have anything against orange you're wearing a Broncos orange t-shirt I appreciate that I've got Broncos orange apparel in a nearby closet and the reason we hate Donald Trump has nothing to do with the fact that he's orange. <laughs> Absolutely right? not. It just has to do with the fact that he's an authoritarian. And yeah. uh, I wrote about that. I love reading about you. I'm going to quote your column as I write mine about Alexa Bartel, that tragic death. I like that you have a big heart. Some other day we'll talk about other subjects, but... Your humanity showed in your column. Our hearts were broken when Alexa got killed. And uh, we're not going to forget about it. We're going to cover it on my podcast, my column, your column. The Colorado Sun's been there. Our community cares. Thanks a lot for being here, Mario. It was great. I hope you enjoyed your time in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Thanks, Craig. I appreciate it. Anytime you're out and have me back to talk about soccer, I'm glad to come back. All right, that, let's schedule that for about, I don't know, 12 years from now. Perfect. Thank you. Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go. You know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey, because who should have this? It's probably somebody close who do you trust most among your children to make that call these are the hard and good questions that you ask every day right michael right and if you ask them beforehand when you're not in the middle of a crisis then when a crisis hits we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else we're going okay we've got a smooth transition of power here we've got a smooth who's in charge and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? 
best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to LLC.com And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. War on drugs has never been more serious. There are killer substances out there, including fentanyl. If God forbid you know somebody or a loved one of yours has been affected by fentanyl, perhaps my law firm could help. Sometimes there's justice in the criminal court system, other times civil justice. My number, 303-734-7156. 303-734-7156. Ask for Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Holy cow. Troubadour Dave Gunders, who did you bring along today? I am here with Joan, my little sister. Hi, Joan, little sister. Do you have a last name? Yes, my last name is McCallum. And was it once Gunderheimer? Uh, it was when my father came from Germany, it was Gundersheimer. But when his family came into the United States, they shortened it to Gunders. Right. We know all that because episode 21 starred Henry Gunders. Oh, no. <laughs> Good. Oh, boy. You have to listen. You know, your brother's music is featured Every week I on know, our show. I know. That's wonderful. Was it featured every day in your house growing up? How much older is he? Uh, six? No. Maybe four and a half. Hold on. I'm 58. You are 53. You're like about 25 She's years 53. younger. 53. Okay. Five. It's five. Five. He's, yep. he's just my older brother. And where do you live? I live in Vermont, the, the great state of Vermont. Do you have further family? Uh, The McAllen thing? Oh, I have a a husband of 40 years who I adore and one daughter who lives in Maine and I adore her too. How old is she? She is 35 years old. That would be Dave's niece. That's correct. Her name is Alexa. And you are in town because of your niece, Sarah. Am I right? Family, yes. What's happening with Sarah Gunders this week? Is she changing her name? I haven't. Well, asked this that. this week she's not, but soon enough, in a, in a couple of weeks she will. This what's going on this week? In fact, I pick them up in a few hours at the airport, and, and I get to meet my new in law. Um, Sarah's coming in from Minneapolis for her bridal shower that Lisa is throwing. My wife for for Sarah. And tonight. Aside and apart from Lookout Renovation, your fine business, you have another side gig in this gig economy world tonight, your music? Tonight, they, it's the Englewood Tavern. Uh, Papa Mo and the Vipers play the Englewood Tavern. Too late. Friday too night. Late. Yeah. Yes, but oh, what people missed. I'm going to try to come down before the Nuggets can. would be great. I'll be there. I hope you do. Do you like your brother's music? I do, very much so. And do you understand that before this segment every week, can I tell you how it goes? Sure. 
one of us comes up with this song. This week, it's extraordinary because he almost always has a song that fits. This week, I found it, and I'll explain it to him. It's one of my favorite songs of his, but it could be a little better. But the cool thing is you're still alive, and we could re-record, okay? If we need to. Okay, I'll put that to you. Do you have a favorite song of your brother's? Oh, well... There's so many of them, and we were just speaking of one this morning, and it, it it's it's oh, good the, to it's, be alive. It's um this is on it's going to be on the new albums. Joan likes the it's called it's called um I love every single I, day. I love every single day. Okay, I, I love that song. Yes. Have you heard his song about your dad? Yes. The um light of the morning. Yes. Right. Yeah. Dad. Dad's belief in his in his mother coming to him in times of trouble. Yeah. 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 Right. That's a... No, that's not my dad. He's a winner. Oh, my dad. Yeah, my dad is a winner. God, I know your catalog. (laughs) You've never heard that song, My Dad, He's a Winner? I think so. He ain't no beginner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We might have played that episode 21, but here we are on episode 147. And uh, it's going to feature a sad story, but we're not going to get sad now because Sarah, who sings back up on so many of your songs, it's exciting. She's getting married. I mean, this is a life's passage moment. Is there any anxiety about this bridal shower? I'm... I'm not a part of it. So you'll have to ask Lisa about that. I mean, we've been working hard to make the place look good, but no, I don't have anxiety. I'm, I'm excited to meet my, my in-law, Katina, Nick's, Nick's mother. I mean, I haven't met her. Lisa has. I was hoping to park cars to make a little money. How many people are showing up? I think there's going to be about 20, something like that. Yeah. yeah 20 yeah. gals. Oh, boy. Yeah. Sarah's That's... friends and Lisa's friends. And Joan. Oh, right. it's exciting. Just yes. like your trip in Denver, you, you had to go to Colorado Springs. Yeah. We had a squall for about yeah. 15 minutes. It just happened that you're bad 15 minutes. But I'm sure the weekend will be better because what could go wrong in Colorado? Yeah. What's the impression from Vermont of Colorado? What do you think about this place? And uh, do you think it's changed or can you tell? I ended up living here from 1978 to 85. And I graduated from the University of Colorado. So um, it's it's great. So it's great to be back. Right. Uh, What about the traffic? Does it seem worse? Colorado has become um, pretty dense. Um, It's still beautiful. The weather is still great today. You know, I'm from Vermont where it can be gray. And um, but what about driving? That's what I want to hear. I'm song, not driving here. Well, here's the thing <laughs> other people do, yeah, I know, and it can be a little dangerous for all of us. I think with AI in the future, no way are we going to take the risk of driving on highways with strangers, right? Raising a child isn't that your biggest fear that something might happen to them on the road? Oh, every parent worries about that. Yeah, when your kid starts to drive, mm. yeah, text me when you get there. To let me know you're safe. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about your song because it's a driving song. It's haunting. There's certain desperation to it. It would be a good uh, TV show backdrop like The Sopranos. It's haunting. Have you ever thought about that? It's too late to get on The Sopranos. No, not our new nice. version. Not our new version. <laughs> okay. Tell us what inspired this song, Too Many Drivers, because it's different than your average song. 
Actually, um, it, it, it's more of a, uh, it's more a, a metaphor. The driving is actually a metaphor. And um, like, it, this is a blues song. And um, have you ever heard the, have you ever heard um, in, in a blues kind of uh, song, like say by Muddy Waters, there's an expression, too many, too many mules kicking in the stall. It's a lament. It's a lament. It's, it's too many drivers is basically. The, the, the guy is singing. It's not competent. Dave, he's got somebody who's given up. Somebody who says, Hey, you know what? I'm done. You drive wherever you're going to go. I'll go with you. It's yeah. There's, there's some resignation in this song. Yes. Yeah, sadness. Yeah. Because, uh, I'm thinking about a dad saying to his son, what did you do? Where did you go today? Tell me what you did. Holy cow, you're breaking my heart, right? That's the fear of every parent. Right. Here you're celebrating Naka's happiness with your daughter and all that. But we all live in fear of what's going to happen next, right, Joan? Yes. And to a degree with our siblings and stuff, but we mainly worry about the children and all that. What, what prompted this song of yours, Too Many Drivers? Um, I can't remember, but I can make something up. No, if you don't like. need to, but because I think that we need to do it over again. Okay. And and because I love this song, but what is one of my worst uh, music phobias? Um, what would you have as why a music phobia? Why I don't phobia? like the Rolling Stones as much as the Beatles. Why I don't really care for Springsteen and Dylan. I prefer Billy Joel because I can understand the words of Neil Diamond. Oh, okay. I want to understand every word. And you are a beautiful lyricist, poet, but I had to keep asking you. Right. Too many drivers, too many hands, too right. many. No, it's too many, too many drivers, too many. Then too many at the wheel is what I'm saying. But I was right. probably, yeah, I may, have, I may not have been too articulate with here, that. Here, yeah, my, you, you uh, cut, yeah. It is too many. Sometimes you say too many at the wheel, too many hands at the wheel, but you lower your voice right. and you make me work for trying to understand Good. it. That's part I don't want to do that. <laughs> so here's how we change it All because right. it's a perfect song. What are we saying? Ooh. Too many drivers. Too many wheels. Okay, well, you could say that, I suppose. Write your own darn song, Craig. I know you were going to get mad. I knew it. That's the way it is, Joan. And, and I'd be the same way. But too many drivers, too many wheels. I mean, it's your thought. I'll give you full credit for it. I just, <laughs> it's your damn song. But I appreciate that you're listening to it. And, uh, and you know, and. Uh, you but do you know what I mean? Too many wheels? Yeah. People turn them one way and you're trying to turn the other. It's crazy. Well, Who's leading this thing? Right. So that's how we do it, Joan. That's how we talk about things, but we get to current events, a lot of current events. Nice. Back east, Eugene Carroll is pulling the pants down on Donald Trump after he did that to her at Bergdorf Goodman. And I think she may rename Trump Tower, I don't know, Carroll Tower, whatever, E. Jean. Would be nice. Skyscraper. Right there on Fifth Avenue. I believe her. I totally believe her. Yeah. He is a crude, because there's truth in numbers. This guy's got a style that's disgusting. Right. I mean, he and just the starts, They've rested their case, right? The, the yeah, case is now before rested, the jury. They played yeah. his deposition. He's okay. cut. Let me go on record predicting a really big verdict for E. Jean. 
and that will be exciting. But the other thing in the news, and you know what we call you, Brother Joan? A troubadour? It's, it's not exactly a compliment. It's like with his phone going off, because yeah. he's he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, he's a little older now. He's yeah. quite a bit older than you. <laughs> but beyond that, and part of this is deliberate and makes him happy, is that he's oblivious to a lot of things. <laughs> This right? Am I right? I, I could have. I have a story, but I'm. I'm not going to. No, say tell it. it. No, 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 no. I'll tell you later. That's oh, the and name. Then, and then you can tell. Does Mister Oblivious fit your brother? Uh. Often. Okay. But not not completely. Right. But he's not means. a new. Not completely by any means. Thank it's you. Not because he lives. A, he's a successful person. He yes. has relationships, and you know, and. Um, <laughs> you know, good business. He's, and... he's not a news junkie like me, therefore he's happier. Yes. Plus, he went to Jazz Fest. How was that? You did a live segment from Jazz Fest. We're going to see Robert Plant. Did yeah. he plant a kiss on you? Were you that close? No, uh, I wasn't that close, unfortunately. But I would rather had a kiss from uh, Alison Krauss. But anyway, yes, he has, he has a duo now with Robert Plant and Alison. They have a wonderful sound nice together. Sound. Yeah, they're terrific. Yeah. In fact, my, my heart and my, my head is still in New, in New Orleans, Craig. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great time. Anyway, Mario Nicholas is my guest this week. It's not just the troubadour. He can carry a show when he's singing, but not necessarily when he's talking, especially talking to me. But he gives me a good gut reaction. And Mario Nicholas had a gut reaction column. He writes with me at the Colorado Sun. And he reacted to a very sad story. Can I tell it to you, Joan? I bet you haven't heard about it. No, I don't know. Even though it was in the Daily Mail, it's made some international news. And I felt drawn to it, even though I'm horrified by the situation. It took me about a week to read up about it. Beautiful 20-year-old girl, Alexa Bartel, driving around Colorado. And three 18-year-old boys had taken huge landscaping rocks off of Walmart, put it in their truck, and then one or more of them started throwing them off at passing vehicles, hit Alexa Bartel, went right through the windshield, struck her in the head, she veered off the road, they found her dead. I'm sorry to just bring that up, but I mean, uh, what's your first reaction to that, Jonah? How do you feel as a mother, as a human? Well, it's so depressing and you just can't, imagine there are people who will be so stupid right i mean it's sad but but i this is what i do for a living or i did it for a long time i'm in the criminal justice system all right yeah so so what should happen to the three 18 year old boys they're charged with first degree murder right what do you think is appropriate i mean well obviously they have to go to trial Oh, they don't have to go to trial. They they could plead guilty, or there could be a plea deal. You actually think they would plead guilty? Yes, you do. They're caught cold. Two of them confess. Yeah. Um, Well, obviously. I mean, they'll plead guilty if they're properly induced by a plea bargain. That's what I used to do as a prosecutor. I'm just saying. Yeah. Should they go to jail? Absolutely. For ten years. Longer. Twenty. Maybe longer. Thirty. Yes. 40? The rest of their life? Well, yes. Until they're 88 and they die in prison. Yeah, I mean, what they did 
was it, it's but let's get back to your brother's song yeah. don't you think that among three 18 year olds one was probably a leader the driver most likely others were followers yeah would you want to know that uh yes but it, it doesn't seem to make a difference to me yeah what if they're, one of them they're all guilty what if one of them said let's not do it and the other two did um then i would say yes i know about that um Boy, you know, I don't feel they're as guilty as the person. Did he do it? The one who said, let's not do it? I don't know. I'm just making stuff up yeah, because right. nobody knows what happened. But... Right, right. I mean, obviously, if one of them chose not to throw the Right. Eye, How would yeah. you feel as a parent if your child did something like that? What if, God oh. forbid, your daughter did that? If if she did it? Yeah. Um can't even imagine that no you would. can't but, but just but, think about yeah, uh, no, your brother's would, song I, is saying what did you do i looked at those parents in the courtroom 520 right. the parents of the boys yeah. i have two boys yeah and they just ruined so many lives yeah. there's the victim's family beautiful family alex bartell they're the first consideration as a prosecutor i'm going to be tough right if the victim's family wants some mercy, maybe I'll extend it. But you have to gather all the facts. It's yeah. terrible. You see how your song, holy cow, it's haunting. It's it's perfect here. Who was really at the wheel? Yeah. Too many hands at the wheel. Were they drinking? Were they intoxicated? Well, Craig, the issue now is that you're reading about these things all the time. It, it feels like... There's insanity in the world. It's just well, gotten, there is, but I can worse. tell you, having done this for a long time, I, I handled cases like this: young people killing other young people. I handled golf club murders, people just attacking people with golf clubs on the street, all sorts of vehicular stuff. A young girl, sixteen, she met a guy, Terrence Mayo, on the mall. They had a brief fling. He got another girlfriend, Rochelle Peterson. They moved into a house in Montbello. The first girlfriend was jealous. Cheryl, she recruited three other kids to go to their house in Montbello and shoot them dead. And they did it. They did it. And then it landed on my desk. What do I do with those kids? Well, the, whoever did the shooting, they, they got first-degree murder. And the girl who started it all, wow, what a story. I'll tell that another day, Cheryl Armstrong. It was covered well by Westford, but this is kind of how I've made a living, for better or worse, making these kind of decisions, these kind of sad things. I hate to bring you down with right. this story, no. but it really is happening in our community. Troubadour, your thoughts on this whole uh, tragic murder of Alex Bartel and what should happen now? Because you and your New York Times reading liberal... <laughs> in your politics, but I think when I told you, you said, lock him up and throw away the key? Well, yeah, I'm pretty much with Joan on this, yeah. I mean, it was cold-blooded murder. To me, what they did was as as a direct um, a, a murder as, you know, walking into a school with a, with, with a gun and shooting innocent people. I mean, y y you know, so... Or just spraying them all with bullets indiscriminately. Right, right, indiscriminately. Right. Right. That's the theory of first-degree yeah. murder. Extreme indifference, universal yeah. malice evinced by your behavior. That's another form of first-degree murder. It's not intentional after deliberation. They didn't even know who this girl driving down the road was. right. 
There are about six or seven other victims who didn't get killed as the police put this together. They did it quite a bit driving around Metro Denver. Right. Anyway, no, it's murder. Right. So what are you going to do? You were 18 once. I was. We did stupid things. Nothing that stupid, but locked them up forever. Well, I mean, I, I also, you know, I also agree with Joan as far as distinguishing between who threw the rock, who was the leader, whose idea was it? And was there someone who was maybe just more passive um, they should all be guilty on some uh, on some account, uh, not necessarily to the same degree. What about the driver as culpable as the thrower? You're the man to answer those questions, Craig. I you defer gotta, to you. You have to gather all the information. You have to think about it, and you don't do it right away. You know, there's a line in your song, they say time will heal all wounds. Yeah. I don't know if uh, the Bartel family's wounds will ever really heal, but they'll feel differently a month from now, a year from now, and and uh, the prosecutor's got to take their feelings into account for sure. But I, w- I will tell you something about myself, is that my daughter is an attorney, and she was uh, an appellate attorney uh, for um, uh, legal defenders in Salt Lake City. So she was on the, she was on the other side right. of this. So one thing I know... Everybody has, there needs to be, everybody has to be heard. Absolutely. Has, you know, it's too, it, even though it, it's hard to, hard to accept, there are two sides. I do criminal defense too. Yeah. And I watch the lawyers go talk to their clients in the jury box and I could relate to them. I could relate to everybody in the courtroom in yeah. a way, although please never let me be on the Bartell side or those boys side. I don't want to be part of that situation. We all live in fear that our children, God forbid, would be on either side of that equation. And uh, a lot of things driving us now, right? Joan, you hit on it, our society. That's why I think your song is epic. Will you consider re-recording it? And either. Let <laughs> <We laughs> I me mean, just say, too, too many drivers, too many wheels. All right, Craig. If it's, if, if we you, can if even you, we can do bring, this version. Will be too many wheels. You bring the whiskey, and I'll oh, I'll hit the red perfect. button. <laughs> anyway, Joan, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. This, a, a real surprise. What's your daughter's name? <laughs> Alexa. Oh my God! <laughs> Don't ask her what the weather is. I know, but uh, I was thinking about that because this poor victim is named Alexa. Yeah, I and know. you know what the name of the DA is who was on a show of mine. Alexandra, Alexa. Alexis, Alexis King. And she was a former public defender, now the DA. It would be like your daughter if she was suddenly the DA. She might have a different perspective, right? Well, it it all changed. She's clerking now, so she's right. In in her long legal career, she'll see it all. Right. I've seen a lot, but I've got more to see. And we'll see what happens to these three 18 year olds. We know that Alexa's gone. Let's dedicate. Uh, this segment to the memory of uh, Miss Bartell, rest in peace. And let's say Lachayim to uh, beautiful Sarah Gunders, Nick. Yes. Good luck. May the bridal shower be great. Let's say Lachayim. And how do we end every segment on Friday? Even though you're going to be working Friday night, and maybe I'll be watching the Nuggets. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thanks, Joan. Thanks, Dave. The Gunders family. Here's this great song, Too Many Drivers. Enjoy. 
destination doesn't matter. Drive it fast, drive it slow. They say time is a cure. Just one thing for sure. Too many drivers driving too many is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts 
which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if you're if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. Hey, I told you this show would be special, great, all of that. Thanks, Joan Gunders. Thanks, Dave Gunders. Good luck, Sarah Gunders. The bridal shower followed by the big day. Feels so bad for the family of Alexa Bartel. They will never have a wedding to go to. It's horrible homicides. I've been involved in this kind of shit too much. What's the right outcome for the three 18-year-olds? If you have an opinion, get a hold of me on Twitter or an email. You know how to find me. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend, subscribe, five stars would be so fine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.